ladies and gentlemen, do another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Mitchell Summers, WIBW in Topeka, as we get Mitchell's take on the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the uh, Kansas sports scene and more when uh, Mitchell joins us and he makes his return to the show in just a little while from right now. Thomas Bridges joins me as always. Tom, uh, part number one of the Summer of Jones in the books. I'm fresh off an exciting weekend in Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, one of the best weekends I can say I've ever had in my entire life, in all honesty. Yeah, I, I saw that condo you're staying in. It looks like it should have been. <laughs> yeah. This condo, I mean. This condo, which we didn't have to pay for, uh, one of David's sponsors, uh, Mark Tate and T-Top, uh, took care of, uh, had gave us this condo with a view of the entire track from turn two. I didn't even really need to go to the media center or go down to pit road. I could have done just all my coverage from right there in the condo. It was pretty legit. Yeah, how was the how was the old steak and shrimp? Oh my gosh. It was so good. I mean, I, I even got to a point, Tom, where I ate like prime rib cold, like what was just left over. Oh my gosh. And that was even good. I'm like, that's when you know it's good when you can have prime rib and it's cold and still tastes fantastic. Yeah, that that is very true. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, "Well, missed the boat on that." But speaking of boats, I was in the water all weekend long, pretty much um, in Tulsa. Um, so I, I did. I guess I, I had a nice little staycation with. Uh, I had a nice little staycation with uh, Crybaby Hill and Tulsa Tough going on last weekend and and partied myself out to a certain extent and, and probably got too much sun but i know you probably got a lot of sun as well oh my it's, uh, it's, it's the tan summer it's the it is. it's is the summer it's the summer of color i, I said um, uh, i came back the other day and i had to give some uh, a makeup update for uh, for tv and uh, someone said to me like wow you're really dark like, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get a new shade of foundation? I did, actually. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Man, Tom, this this TV makeup thing, I'm wondering if it's even worth it. Like, I had to spend uh, – now, granted, I even told the makeup people, like, explain this to me like I'm fine, okay? Um, I I had to spend, like, 100 bucks on makeup. Well, this is ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Did you have to go to like you went to like Walmart or did you did you go to Sephora? Oh, I went to Ulta. No, you did not. <laughs> yes, I did. Oh my God! Did you? How long did it take you to explain what you were there for? Uh, it probably took me. Uh, fortunately, I had somebody there, one of my coworkers, that knew what I was looking for. That was helping me out, so she kind of shortened up the process. But we were in and out there in like forty-five minutes. Oh my goodness, that that deserves a show in itself. <laughs> Jones takes on Ulta. Ulta <laughs> Beauty and Tyler Jones together. Use use Tyler Jones, use hashtag Summer of Jones for 20% off of your Ulta Beauty. <laughs> I could use the 20% off. I can tell you that right now. Uh after how much I spent. Good lord. Um 
So do you bring your own makeup to the studio? I do. I have to do my own makeup, yeah. Oh, my God. I need – here's what we need. Here's what this whole podcast needs. I'm telling you that we're long overdue on this. We need a freaking Tyler Jones TikTok of you doing your makeup routine. I'd pay some good money for that. No one needs to see me doing TikToks. Oh, we got – oh, my God. I can only imagine you putting on foundation. Oh, that that's uh, – that's a that's a dream come true. <laughs> we need we that's what we need. Every I, we're gonna run a Twitter poll after this show, and you gotta let the you gotta let the people speak. That's what we need. We need a Tyler Jones makeup tutorial. I am here for it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm wondering how good you can do your makeup. I'm I'm excited actually. You know, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see if you can whip it up. I'm getting it down. The uh, the thing that I'm trying to figure out is speed. I'm trying to get it done quick. And I think I can get my makeup done in like on a good day, like five minutes. So wait, so you're telling me, you, I mean, at this point, you think Travis Meyer of Tulsa, Oklahoma, you think he has it down, down pat. You think he's got the speed routine going. Oh, he doesn't have to put that much on because he's got that old facial hair going. Well, that's very true. That's very true. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would. I would love to see more. You put up on makeup on a TikTok or Travis Meyer. I mean, in my case, I'm always clean shave because as a Native American, I cannot grow full facial hair. It's always patchy, so I always have to be clean shave when I'm on air. Is that is that pun intended or no? <laughs> that was not pun intended. <laughs> no, no Apache. Okay. No, no Apache. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the people need to see. Tyler Jones makeup tutorial. Count on it. <laughs> Tom, uh, I won't go into too much detail on this, uh, but <laughs> would you believe me if I told you I had a couple run-ins with security this weekend in Texas? You know what? I always, I here's here's my. Here's my view. I've said this a million times before. I am shocked you never have been arrested at any event <laughs> or just just in general. L listen, people, listen. Jones and I have been to to a, a, hand, a more of a fair share of of, of races, and I am yeah. I am a more of a not a rule breaker, more of like a charmer. I'll break the rules. But I'll do it, and I'll smile at you while I'm doing it, and 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 get you to forget the whole thing. Jones, on the hand, doesn't care, and I'll, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one of these. Uh, I feel like it was the last one. Uh, this is this is pre-COVID, and we're going, and the the national anthem is about to start at Kansas Speedway, and here comes Jones and they're like, Nope, 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 Nope. You know, we got it. We we're not even getting on the, on pit road at this point. I mean, we're behind pit road and they're like, Nope. They're like, you know, people are already on there and, and security's kind of holding us up. And Jones is like, Oh, okay. Well, he's like, all right, follow me. Comes down this way. He's like, all right, hop over the barrier. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like we're, we're probably 10 yards away from this guy. Just telling us no more people on the deal. Uh, and, and Jones is like, nope, we are going to stand right by Ryan Newman and I don't care what you say. And I'm like, okay, let's go then. I mean, 
talk about trespass Jones here. Uh, that should be your new – that should be your really your new name. No barrier stands in your way well, when you're hanging out with Trespass Jones. Here's the thing. Like, these security people, you're not cops, okay? <laughs> you take job way too seriously. All you're really there for is to stand and wave. More than likely, you're a volunteer as well. You're not even getting paid, Okay. So just stand there, wave, look pretty, have a good time, and mind your own business. Uh, most security people can suck it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> did it? Did it? Oh, how close were you to handcuffs this weekend? Um, I, I did uh, have a security guy uh, threaten to have a uh, uh, turn me over to a cop. <laughs> Man, if you would have got. You know, we'll have a different tomfoolery at the end of the show today. Had you got arrested for whatever reason and you had to get a mugshot, whether the charges are dismissed or dropped or whatever, that, that, that's top tier. I mean, that would have been really top tier. I would have hated it for you. I'd have hated it for you. But at the same time, somehow you would have figured your way out of it. But if we had a mugshot, especially if you would have had been in makeup as well in a mugshot, that would have been now that would have been crazy this time. If I'm a media member that gets arrested, that's gonna be a bad look. Isn't that gonna be aren't I gonna be viewed as like a martyr of some sorts? Like that's gonna look <laughs> bad on the party that is out arresting media members. <laughs> martyr in the media, Tyler Jones. <laughs> He did it for the story, folks. He went so far for the story, he got put behind bars. And we live looking at a Dallas Fort Worth. I don't know what county that is in, in, in Dallas. I don't know. I don't know what I would say Dallas County, but I'd be wrong. They have their own town, by the way. Texas Motor Speedway says that they're not in Fort Worth. They're in no limits, Texas. That would be a redneck jail. Um, if I've ever seen one, um, I, I just, I'm thinking of then you're not going to get Waterburger in there, but I wonder how long they could hold you. Here's the thing, Jones. If you went to a redneck jail like that, like, a I don't know, like, a a, a, a not very well put together last minute jail, somehow I think you would find a way to, to escape and still, still be able to do a live shot on the track. <laughs> I would not doubt it. I, I think I think of all people that I know that if I had to guess someone that would go to jail and figure out a way to get the hell out and make it out of there like scot free and not not get caught, I, I, somehow it would be you. I don't know how, but I, I think so. You know, and even after all that, I still got invited back. Like the uh, the folks are very happy to have me back at the racetrack. Uh, uh, David wants me to come out and do his, uh, his driving school, learn how to drive stock cars. Uh, I might do that sometimes. Yeah, you should. That would be unreal. Um, as long as, I mean, depends on where you're at, uh, driving school, you could have a, you could have a bush latte behind the wheel of the stock car. I don't, I think that as long as you aren't on a public road, uh, you could really get in the spirit and, and 
sip on a bush latte no, while you're going no, around. I'm not going to drink and drive, especially in that scenario. Nah, we won't go that far. But <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I also had about, a, I think the count time, I had about four trips to Waterbury this weekend. What did you get? Did you get the Dr. Pepper shake? I did. I did have the Dr. Pepper shake. Um, I had an avocado burger, patty melt, double cheeseburger, the uh, honey butter chicken biscuit. I had it all. Yeah, you got to have that. That's uh, the the honey butter chicken biscuit is 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 top tier. And and let me tell you about this too. Wendy's. I don't know. Have you had Wendy's honey butter chicken biscuit? No. No, they tried to pull that off, and and they got flack on Twitter for that. Of like, listen, no, Wendy's, don't don't do it. Don't even try. That would be like Burger King calling, you know, the the Whopper Mac. I mean, that would be similar to that. They just you, you can't do it. Um, but the patty melt, man, I'm telling you what, that's the top tier menu item. That's probably my favorite fast food item of all time is the patty melt. So obviously I can get it whenever I want living in Tulsa. Um, but I, I know you reveled in the fact that the water burger was just right down the street. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was one of the, uh, the best parts of the weekend. I'm not going to lie. Not, not only that, but old David was driving the water burger car with the Jones report logo on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. That's, you can't get any better than that. You are orange and white the whole time. I can guarantee it. I was. I was wearing America's brightest orange, that Whataburger orange. Oh, my, no. That's America's <laughs> second brightest orange. All, you know what? You know what would be a cool addition if it didn't, there is one in Stillwater? Um, if they put a – and, and give me, don't get me wrong here, Oklahoma State's pretty bold here lately on just the additions to the concession stands in Boone Pickens Stadium. I think all they're missing is a Whataburger. It swap out. Here's the thing. Everyone loves Chick-fil-A, sure, whatever. You know what? Chick-fil-A. Put swap that and put a Whataburger in. Boone Picking Stadium. The top tier, new level. I don't care about your damn chicken sandwich. That can that's for the birds. Um put in a Whataburger and really get it started. Uh that's that's a top tier concession level stand there uh, that everyone's just missing the check on. Uh, the Spurs already did it in AT and T Center. It's the only place that I know, as far as a sports arena or center, that has a water burger in it, and everyone raves about it. Oh, that's a game changer! I know. Uh, Can you imagine having a freaking shake at Boone Picking Stadium? Compliments of Whataburger. Oh, that'd be great. I know the uh, new Falcon Stadium, they have Waffle House and Chick-fil-A, but the Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Right. You think Whataburger closes on Sundays? Absolutely uh, not. 24-7. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's top tier. Everyone says Chick-fil-A. No, no. Listen, we are pro Whataburger podcast. We're not even anti-Chick-fil-A. Well, we are so pro Whataburger that Chick-fil-A can take the furthest fucking back seat because Whataburger needs to be in every potential place in America. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, Tom, I'm back in Omaha now. Uh, good week to be back, by the way. Got the College World Series starting 
this weekend uh, here in Omaha. Also got the Olympic swim trials going on as well. Michael Phelps is in town, by the way. And I hear he's really? running around town, too. I've heard of people running into Michael Phelps. I need to find a way to meet Michael Phelps. That is someone that, that if was on the show, that, that stuff got that would blow me away. Now, I know he's... He's, uh, you know, his public persona has kind of changed since getting all those medals that year. Um, but he's he's kind of like a, in a weird way, he's kind of like a if Andrew Luck had won gold medals, he, <laughs> he just kind of he won all that and then kind of disappeared for a little bit, smoked some pot, and then dipped out. Um, now he's in Omaha. Uh, you. I have a – here's my thing. Somehow you're going to run into him. I know it. That's, has to, that's how it has to be. You know what, Tom? I actually would rather party with Ryan Lochte, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'd both be a, a, a hell of a time. Um, <laughs> now, but those swimmers, they're kind of a different breed. Now, you mentioned me, like, getting arrested or whatever. I feel like if me and Ryan Lochte went out and partied, we would get into some shenanigans, of course. Yeah, what's what's what county's Omaha in? Uh, Douglas County. So if I get a call, I'm like, hey, you are receiving a call from Douglas County Jail. I'll be, I'll know exactly who it is. It's either Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte, or Tyler Jones. <laughs> Could you imagine? That'd be great. <laughs> I just get a call, accept it. It's a collect call. And then you're like, hey, listen, going to need you to come up here. Uh, whatever you do, don't let Charlie or Lisa know where I'm at. <laughs> I come to Omaha, bail you out. We get you We get you your bail. We go out and party again. And we both end up in, in Douglas County again the next <laughs> night. <laughs> It'd be so worth it at that point. If we're with Lockheed and Michael Phelps, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sharing a cell with Michael Phelps in Douglas County. Yeah, I might go to jail for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. But uh, it should be a fun few days to have this, uh, this College World Series. Uh, full capacity. Everything is going to be open again. Um, you know, I'm going to be there for the very first game on Saturday and uh, hanging out with some friends and having a good time and such. Uh, you'll like this, Tom. Here's the game plan for Saturday. So I got everybody coming over to my place, and I'm doing breakfast. I'm making breakfast burritos, and we're having mimosas. And then going to the game, and then I'm going to work after that, and I got to anchor the evening show. So that'll be uh, my first – First day of the College World Series will be a full day. That's going to be – that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Start in the morning. In the yeah. Jones zone. How, how, good's your, how good's your breakfast burrito game? Uh, it, it, as good as it gets. There you go. That Whip those up, a couple of mimosas, head to the game, get out of there. What time you got to be at work, four? Yeah, I got to be at work, four o'clock, yeah. No, yeah, you're good. Who's Who's playing the first game? Uh, it is uh, Stanford and NC State. Yeah, and then I don't know if you saw that NC State-Arkansas game. I was cozied up to the pool bar this past week in a river spirit in Tulsa and was watching that. That's an incredible game. 
Yeah, I didn't see any of it, but Arkansas was the number one seed, hadn't won, hadn't lost a series all year, led the country in home runs, and they're sitting at home and NC State advances. So that was quite the upset. Yeah, it was it was one of the more incredible baseball games I think I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, that should be a hell of a time uh in Omaha this weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and just a lot going on. Uh, nothing quite this, like this time of year here in uh, here in Omaha. It's good. Uh, I heard my buddy Reed, our, our friend Reed, describe it. Omaha's a great summer town, and I'm seeing yeah. it firsthand now. What's the temperature there? Yesterday here in Tulsa was a hundred and one degrees when I got in my car. Today we have a high of one oh six. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, you probably feel right at home then. <laughs> yeah, I'll be staying indoors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if oh, Texas didn't get you, Omaha might. Oh yeah, I brought the heat with me uh, back from uh, Texas. Tom, let's uh, let's talk NBA playoffs. Uh, starting out with uh, Chris Paul. You talk about bad luck. They get the uh, the 4-0 sweep over the Nuggets. Suns in four. It works. Uh, I love that guy, by the way. Um, just dominating the uh, Denver Nuggets. Impressive. And then now he goes into COVID protocol. He's already been vaccinated. And it looks like that he could miss game one, potentially game two, that he's going to be out for a bit. He has to get a couple negative tests and get clear before he can come back. But this is a guy, Chris Paul, that has had the worst of luck when it comes to injuries and time missed throughout his career. Chris Paul, Tom, would be the one guy that would be vaccinated and still get COVID. I really feel for Chris Paul and the Suns here because you look at who they could face, whether it's the Clippers or the Jazz, and we'll talk about that series in just a moment with the Clippers leading three games to two. The Suns have a very good shot. They have a very realistic chance to win the Western Conference Finals here, but they need all parties involved here. I don't think they can do it without Chris Paul. They're going to need him back. I feel for Chris Paul and the Suns that that they're going to be out without him at least uh, for a period of time, it seems. Right, and and here's my thing. What, What in the world did Chris Paul do? You know, the man's vaccinated, gets COVID anyway. What, who did he sell his soul to and for what? Every time, every time it's always something with Chris Paul that, that, that just prevents him from getting that ring. And I don't know what it is. I, I, did he, who did he sell his soul to? Was it the devil? Was it Wendy's for the honey butter chicken biscuit? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's just every there's always something, and it's it's like the it's like the 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 curse of the Bambino. It's the, the what what CP three curse is happening? I mean, for the Suns though, granted for the Suns at this point, you're just happy to be here. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, maybe for one or two games by the time this Clipper series ends, and we'll get to that in a little bit because you know, obviously Kawhi, but. Um, goodness. I mean, what, can a man catch a break? I feel 
I certainly feel for Chris Paul and the Suns uh, for what they're going through and the way that they play. Um, not only to win that first series against the Lakers in six, but then to sweep Denver like they did that 4 0 sweep. Um, you know, Devin Booker has been phenomenal. Chris Paul's played well. DeAndre Aiden's played good. Uh, I think a lot of it goes back to Monty Williams, though, Tom. I mean, Stan Van Gundy just got fired, as well as Scott Brooks the other day. And, you know, Stan Van Gundy got let go after just one year. And a lot of the talk was that Van Gundy could not adapt, that he was not meshing well with his players in today's game. And you look at Monty Williams – this is a guy that gets it. He has figured it out. He, he has the right balance, it seems, of that coach-player relationship of sorts. Like, he knows uh, wh- how to get the most out of his players. I thought he did a good job when he was in New Orleans. I didn't think he deserved to be fired when he was there, uh, that he got the most out of that team, that there was a lack of talent. And, and uh, now you see with what he's doing there in Phoenix um, – you know, I, I know that they've already given out awards and such like that, but Monty Williams, uh, I mean, he's got to be the coach of the year in my book. I've been very impressed with the job that he's done, not just now in what we've seen in this postseason, but the regular season, how good they were. Um, as good a talent as they have in their young core, I think Monty Williams deserves a lot of credit for getting this team to this point and really all started for them in the bubble last year with uh, them going 8-0 to finish out the year. They, they carried that momentum into uh, this 2020-21 campaign. Yeah, and, and then there has been kind of a buildup of momentum. And, and here's the thing I love about the Suns. Um, you know, Phoenix, again, not the biggest market. Uh, I'm sure the NBA is kind of like, okay, come on, we got to at least have the Clippers come through here. Uh, because Suns, Jazz, Western Conference Finals, you told me this a few years ago, I'd have laughed. I'm here. Uh, I mean, yo, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, too, and, and you want to talk about ratings. I, I feel like the NBA is probably a little scared of, like, oh, no, uh, this is not going to be good. But I think it's going to be better than expected. I, I, this is a breath of fresh air, uh, you know, if – it's a breath of fresh air for anybody not named the Lakers. Uh, you know, you can even say my Spurs. Uh, you know, it's it's not the Heat. It's not the Celtics. Well, I mean the Celtics before Celtics. But, um, you know, it's, it's not one of the teams that's been there a million times, the Warriors. It's a breath of fresh air for the NBA. I think it needs it. Um, and, and as far as the Suns go, I – the thing I love most about the Suns, other than being a smaller market, is they're kind of built organically. Other than Chris Paul, you have Booker, Aiton, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Bridges. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I thought so, Suns and guy would be your favorite part of the Suns. Yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, actually, Dave Portnoy interviewed him um, about that because I guess nobody was doing it, and they even have shirts. Um, kind of like a character. They do have merch, and it's like a character with a boxing glove on. That son's guy beat the shit out of that old boy. He whooped his ass. That guy had a oh, He did. He was he was being a prick. Um, and and I don't know if he got kicked out of uh, what is that Talking Stick Arena? I don't uh, know if he's banned for good. 
Now it's uh, it's Phoenix Suns Arena. <laughs> it's all always talking stick to me. Um, but I don't know if he got kicked out for good, but he shouldn't. I, I, I think he should be the next fucker to, to fight Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Suns and four. Suns and four. And uh, maybe they go four in the uh, Western Conference Finals as uh, the Clippers take a 3-2 series lead on the Jazz with a 119-111 win. Playoff P. It only took him three years, but he finally showed up. Oh, what a performance from uh, from Paul George without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a legacy game or what, but – Legacy uh, game. For Paul George, 37 points, 16 rebounds, uh, playing without – uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who was uh, injured and, and uh, you know, dealing with, you know, ACL stuff. We don't know if we're going to see Kawhi Leonard again this postseason. Uh, but Reggie Jackson played well. You know, Marcus Morris played good. Um, you know, th- this team rallied without their star. They found a way to power through and beat this Utah Jazz team. Now you have a 3-2 series lead. Tom, I'm still not counting out Utah, though. I thought going into this series, even with Kawhi Leonard, that Utah was the better team. And I don't know, you know, if you can trust Paul George to do this again in one of these next two games here. I I would, I I know that feels like a momentum crushing defeat to let that one slip away at home like that. But, um, I, I just don't know if Paul George can pull that off another two nights here. I, I think Utah still got a good shot to win this series. What say you? Yeah, I think they do too. And if you if you remember last year in their series against the Nuggets, uh, you know that that fight in them. Granted, I don't think it worked out in their favor a whole lot last year. But that being said, a uh, lot of fight. I mean, Gobert you know, has, has been playing fantastic. And uh, I, I think I think the Jazz will be able to adjust that game plan. Obviously, you know, counting out Kawhi. Um, I, I don't – I'm not putting money on Paul George. Listen, he had a great game. Uh, he had to. That's what it had to – that had to happen. Is he going to be able to do it again and again? You know, if, if the Jazz pull this off and, and go game seven? Um, is he going to be able to just sustain that? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, and, and if they, so, you know, we're back in LA, uh, for this game six and if the jazz get that and, and head back to old Salt Lake city, uh, I like the chances for the jazz here. I'm, and maybe that's my bias a little bit, obviously, uh, because, uh, Clippers, uh, care less in Kauai, you know, granted he's hurt and he's going to be out. Uh, no surprise, but um, <laughs> I mean, this ain't the first rodeo. Uh, granted, you know, he that could be a serious injury, so best wishes to him. Hopefully he comes back to San Antonio when he's healthy, but uh, that being the case, I, Jazz, I think, have a real good shot. Uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he's he's due for one of those, you know, 50, you know, 47-point nights, so – I, I think this is I think this is going to be a game seven and uh, hell for the Suns. If you're a Suns fan, you're rooting for seven because uh, you got to get you got to get Chris Paul somehow out of that COVID protocol 
uh, as soon as possible. Uh, you, you got to because, if you know, I hate to say it, without Chris Paul, good season, son, see you next year. Yeah. Um, I'll say, though, if, if it's the Clippers and the Suns, without Chris Paul and without Kawhi Leonard, I would leave Pretty even. the Suns. Right. And, and you know, Kawhi is a way better player than, than Chris Paul at this stage. Yes. Um, but so, but I, I, I agree with you. I think it, it's in, in a weird way, it evens the playing field. Um, you know, Kawhi wise talents higher. Uh, Chris Paul is just kind of the, I, I don't want to call it the heart and soul of the team, but maybe he is and that veteran leadership. And, and for Kawhi, obviously that monster dunk and the, whatever he went off for the other night, um, to secure that win, to get the series back, um, you know, that, that was huge too. So yeah, I, I agree with you. If the Clippers do pull this off, it, it will be a kind of an even kill series there. Yeah. Uh, it'll be really interesting who out coaches who. I mean, Kawhi Leonard right now, I think is the best player in the world. And really, I do. I've said that for a couple of years now and you know, they, they gotta have him around. They, they need Kawhi Leonard and uh, I just don't see any path forward without him. Uh, I, I would not – if if Kawhi is not back even for this series, Utah's still got a shot. This is far from over uh, this series, I think, at 3-2 at, at this point. Let's move over to the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant the other night. You know, man, I can't stand that guy. Uh, but I still got to say, wow, what a performance against uh, Milwaukee. Uh, 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. Um, that was one of the best games of Kevin Durant's career. And he's had some incredible moments over the years. And to do what he did, to take that 3-2 series lead, it, Milwaukee had that big lead. They were leading all night long. And then Kevin Durant just went into, uh, you know, slim reaper mode and just took over. And, I mean, was just remarkable. And, you know, he does this, of course, uh, without Kyrie Irving. We didn't see Kyrie play. You know, uh, we didn't see James Harden play, but James Harden wasn't really effective. Blake Griffin played good. Uh, Jeff Green played really good off the bench. He had 27 points. Uh, as a Thunder fan, this playoffs is really infuriating because I see Kevin Durant and Jeff Green playing good. Even, you know, uh, Paul George, of course, you know, finally showing up as playoff P. Hell, even uh, Gallinari stepped up for Atlanta the other night. I'm like, can I catch a break as a Thunder fan? Can can these guys like not, you know, just explode for other teams uh, while my team's sitting at home? But nonetheless, uh, great performance from Kevin Durant. Uh, I, I would expect Tom that how this goes that Brooklyn uh, wins this next one or, or the other, they'll win this series. They'll win one of these next two games and Boone Olser will get fired. And then Milwaukee will be wondering if Giannis is going to stick around or not here. I, I think that's the path that we're looking at right now is Brooklyn is on their way to the NBA finals. Um, I don't expect Atlanta or Philly to stand in their way. We'll talk about Atlanta and Philly in just a moment, but uh, Brooklyn, what, what a night uh, that was and the way that they performed. You're certainly impressive from Kevin Durant. Yeah, that pull-up three Kevin Durant had was immaculate, one of the best I've ever seen. Am I shocked that he did that? No. 
that was just a that was a classic um, from Kevin Durant and and one of those games that you're like, well, you know, that uh, that that player that he is is just is is crazy. Um, and like I said, that man, that that pull up three and, and anybody who's watched that game know what I'm talking about. He pulls up probably about four feet behind the three point line and just boop, right in. And it was such a huge shot. It, you know, and I, I don't really care for Kevin Durant. I damn sure don't like the Nets. That even gave me goosebumps. I mean, that was easy money sniper from way out. And that was just, uh, just the stereotypical of Kevin Durant that I've ever seen. Uh, that, that, uh, you know, him coming off injury and, and being able to do what he's done, not only thank you for the the progression of, of medical technology and science, but damn it, KD, still's got it. Well, and it seems like he's out to prove something, doesn't it? Uh, it looks like it. I mean, he, he looks pissed. Leaving Golden State, uh, where he had everything there but wasn't getting any of the credit, comes to Brooklyn – brings along some running mates and Kyrie and James Harden. But uh, the way that he stepped up without them, essentially, um, you know, Brooklyn is building its own brand of basketball. Brooklyn had no identity before any of those guys got there. Um, you're already hearing people declare him the best basketball player to ever play in New York and such. Um, you know, they got a, a rookie head coach in Steve Nash. I mean, this is uh, – this is fascinating, isn't Tom, of seeing someone come in there and build their own brand, their own identity. We've never really seen anything like that before, but that's what Kevin Durant's doing right now. Whether you like, like it or not, um, he's writing his, uh, his own chapter, his own story right there in uh, my next chapter, <laughs> uh, pun intended on that one, uh, there in, uh, in Brooklyn for Kevin Durant. That's what we're seeing right now. I mean, yeah, he doesn't really have a choice either. Uh, you know, with Kyrie going down and James Harden being injured, uh, I, I, he's he's one of those players that just kind of has something to prove too, just because of of, of all the talk of you know him ring. I, I guess you could even call it ring chasing at this point, just with the Warriors and and you know moving around like he has. I so this is this is him. I think trying to prove to everybody else that his one shining moment or, you know, more than that, that he can do it by himself if need be. Granted, you know, you're still going to have the people to say, well, you had all this help. And he did. He, uh, he definitely did. Um, but it's, it's, it's him trying to, okay, well now everyone's freaking injured. Let me just go off and show you that I can win a championship by myself. Um, he, he does still have a lot of help, but damn it, is he trying to – he's out to prove something. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, and uh, that team will not be taken lightly. Uh, I feel like the Nets are in the NBA Finals. We're just kind of waiting for the Finals to start and who their opponent will be at, uh, at this point now. Meanwhile, the uh, Atlanta Philly series. Atlanta wins game five, 109 to 106 as they rally from down 26 points on the road to come back and win that game. Trey Young just went off 39 points, seven assists uh, in, uh, in the victory. And uh, very on-brand 
for uh, this uh, this Philly team to uh, the, the way that they you know just fell apart. Uh, you know, we we've been talking Tom for quite some time that uh, that this uh, this Philly group uh, was uh, was was not who we thought was was not what they were made out to be, that they weren't really that good as the number one seed um, there in the Eastern Conference, that we, we thought that they were frauds of sorts all season. And then here you have a tied-up series. Joel Embiid was playing, um, and they have this big lead, and yet Atlanta finds a way to pull through and win that game down 26. Uh, just incredible effort, and uh, what a what a collapse on the part of Philly. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a collapse, but hell, you got to give it up for Atlanta. Atlanta's been playing just – I mean, I don't know if they went into Memphis and stole the grit and grind, but that's the way they've been playing here lately. Um, and, it, you know, as much as I dislike Trey Young just because, one, OU, two, him just – Golly, is he not just a shit talker or what? Um, even Draymond Green said it. He's like, all right, now everyone can see just the shit talker that he is. And it, I just, oh, it bothers me just a wee bit. Um, but yeah. a guy that hasn't been around that long. It hasn't earned that respect yet. No, I mean, he really hasn't. Um, you know what? He will earn my respect if they somehow beat the Nets. Uh, granted, the Nets end up pulling it off and Milwaukee didn't pull off a miracle. Um, he will earn my respect if he beats the Nets. Um, there's two ways. If he beats the Nets or if he, golly, go go get that hair fixed. Golly. He's got us. I know he has to see it. He has to wake up. I Listen, I don't have the best bedhead when I wake up in the morning. But I know it's not as bad as Trey Young's. I think it can't be. <laughs> I imagine Tom Atlanta sports fans had to be loving that. You know how many barber shops are in fucking Atlanta? You know how many, you know how many places he could go and get that fixed? You know how many top tier places he could go? Instead, he's it, it looks like a it looks like he's been at Magic City rubbing his head around in a stripper's crotch. Hey, hey no, I know. Uh, let's uh, we'll be a little easy on Trey here, but uh, I won't, <laughs> and you know, I'm not a Trey fan either. But credit with credit's due, I mean, to pull off that, I mean, yeah, he's, he's been fans, balling out of his Atlanta mind. Fans had this one, they've been waiting for this day to come for a long time. I mean, you talk about what they went through with the Falcons blowing that lead in the Super Bowl a few years back, Georgia blowing that lead in the national championship against Alabama. I mean, this past year, the Falcons were up 15 against the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, you know, the Braves a couple of years back, uh, back in 2020, the NLCS in a 3-1 lead. Rolls finally flipped in their favor. It only took them this long. It, it, it was shocking to see an Atlanta team uh, actually be on the other end of this type of situation. Yeah, you know, and it's not over till the fat lady sings. Um they still gotta. They still gotta finish off the 76ers. I at this point they have them on the ropes, but I I think for the Hawks to go ahead and do it, I think they're gonna have to finish them off in Game Six. Because if not, this goes to Game Seven. I like Philly's chances. Um, I mean, w- here's the funny thing: we said it's all for naught when the Hawks beat the Knicks. It's like okay, well, we'll we'll see you second round exit. 
now we're talking about we got Hawks and Jazz, Hawks and Suns. What? Okay, Jones. So let's say the Hawks pull this off. How many? How many games is it going to take the Nets to, to to go ahead and put the Hawks to rest? Uh, I say with either opponent, Hawks or 76ers, I would take the Nets in five. Yeah, I was going to say five. Uh, give give whoever one game, uh, and as as long as as long as nothing tragic happens, uh, you know, and and it. And it, if anything, if, as long as somehow KD doesn't go down and or get COVID or anything like that, I, I think they're they're going to be pretty salty in that Eastern Conference Finals. I think so. More to come here on the Jones Report. Up next is Mitchell Summers of WIBW, plus Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, and our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of the show as well. Stick around here on the Jones <laughs> Oh, you're recording me. Oh, no. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, I can't even stop laughing. We just barely even started. It is Mitchell Summers of WIBW, a man who does not like Culver's. He does not use a blow dryer, and uh, he joins us right now. Uh, Mitchell, thanks for joining us. Uh, You saw my segment uh, about a week ago when uh, I told the whole world that I was uh, against blow dryers, and uh, I had some people pissed off at me. You were at my defense, though, so I thank you. Yes, yeah, stand true, brother. Stand true. No hair dryer team. I mean, like, I mean, you, like you and I's hair length is the same, you know. Yeah. So, like, I it doesn't for for us, um, it doesn't take that long if I wanted to dry my hair, you know, and like, huh. like realistically realistically my hair is like is really similar to the majority of dudes out there so i'm not doing anything special so i don't i don't really it doesn't take much time to get this you know i didn't even do anything to my hair this morning i just woke up out of bed rolled out and boom i woke up like this yeah yeah. so um so all i have to do shower little towel action i've got my brush i'll brush it to the side and let's throw some dry wax and we're good to go. So like, so I stand firmly behind you, my friend, with team no hair dryer. And uh, you saw some of my other things that uh, I called useless. Uh, what, did you have any objections or anything you adamantly agree with too? Um, well, the thing that I noticed most was that you just really don't like buttons on, on uh, <laughs> Buttons that tell me what to do. I'm all about the time. But mm-hmm. I don't need the defrost button, and I don't need the popcorn button on the microwave. Well, at least in my experiences, I haven't found that those buttons get me exactly what I want. You know? <laughs> like, you press the, oh, if I throw in a slice of pizza, and you press the pizza button to, to, to warm up pizza, I'm not going to, I would have, I'm not going to get the thing warm enough. And I just would have been better served just popping the thing in for a minute. And, and, and then I would get exactly what I need. You no, know? I always found that it's like whenever these buttons are shooting for a goal, they always underperform. So then you have to like, oh, if you throw it in for the popcorn, it'll pop it for like a minute and a half. And it's that last like 15 to 30 seconds where you get those final kernels popped. 
and 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 the popcorn button is just going to miss out on your ultimate popcorn desires. <laughs> that is nicely said. That could not have been described any better than what you said right there. I mean, it even says on the bag of popcorn, do not use the popcorn button. Put Does it, it in really? For, yes. Put it in for a minute 45 or two minutes. But it specifically says, do not use the popcorn button. No way. I've never noticed that. So uh, that's hilarious. Mitchell is looking for popcorn to see if what I just said <laughs> is true. Oh, I think it's I, I I have to I have to open it up. I'll I'll check later. Okay, we'll we'll check back on that later. Um, also, before we uh, dive into too much stuff either, I don't know if you saw, but I did an interview with uh, the NASCAR driver Cole Custer a couple weeks ago, and with the last name Custer, I asked him what his favorite custard was, and he said Culver's. And you know what I did? Here's what I said. Uh, I came to your defense, even though I do like Culver's. Uh, is I said, well, Culver's is overpriced. And then he said, well, you get what you pay for. So that became a big debate. Is Culver's overpriced or not? And I say, absolutely. You know what I say? I say it's just trash to start with. So <laughs> so it has to be, if it was free, then I'd give it a go. But so so it's already from the from the jump, it's a non-starter for me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I haven't had Culver's for so I've just been so like hardline anti when it's like when you cross the line like I, I had my one experience where I had some bad chicken nuggets I didn't get I ordered 10 and I got like seven I had a bad experience and from that line is no you, you crossed me and I can't I can't afford to be crossed again so I had that was like several years ago so I've been hardline against Culver's for a long 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 time so um, I'm the spurned lover that was like, oh, you, you, you cheated on me. And now I'm never going to, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to look at you on Instagram anymore. I'm not going to check out your Twitter feed to see what kind of things are going on in your life. I'm not doing the midnight looking at your Facebook to see who you're dating anymore. No, I'm, I'm scorched earth with Culver's. So maybe, may, maybe I need to do the, the midnight check through their Instagram feed to be like, Hey, I hope they're doing okay. <laughs> Maybe that might be a good way to go. And, and <laughs> Maybe you'll reconcile things one day with Culver's. Uh, you'll get back together at some point. I need couples therapy. <laughs> um, how are things in Topeka? The uh, the cat and everything. I see you, you got plenty of the cat hair going and such. What's uh, what's going on there? Oh, bro, I had the. Um... I combed him the other day. I have this special, special uh, hand comb thing. Here it is. This special hand comb that you have to use to, to, to comb him off because he's a, a terror. Um, <clears throat> and I thought I just gained a second cat with the amount of hair that I got off of him. Um, uh, life in Topeka is, is pretty solid, you know. Um, we're going on two years now of having lived in Topeka. And I feel really comfortable living around here. I know, like, I I know street. Say what? Not a lot of people can say they live. They feel comfortable living in Topeka. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, uh, fortunately, it's been t it's been treating me really well. Um, and knock on wood, somewhere. 
Um, so uh, I know street names now. I've lived here for two years and I now know that like, oh, if you want to go anywhere, then you probably should just get on Wanamaker, stuff like that. So um, uh, sports wise, things have been treating me really well, especially now that like, like things are opening up again. Like people can go before games at, at, at uh, to, oh, hello. All everyone wants to say hi. Um, you can, you can go to Kaufman. You can be down in the, on the field again. Um, the things are, I am having in-person interviews again. I was talking with KU and K-State basketball players yesterday in person. And it was kind of wild to be like, to like actually get to stand next to these people for, for the first, for the first time in like a year and a half. So um, life is, be, it, life is becoming a lot more normal and uh, you don't realize, you don't realize until like you start getting out that you'd been spending the better part of the last year um, so closed off. Um, and you, you forget how much you, you, you loved having those in-person interactions. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good point. Uh, I, I missed it myself and, and uh, nice to have some, uh, some normalcy uh, of some sorts back in uh, our world again. And uh, Mitchell, uh, let, let me ask you, First off, uh, about the uh, about the Chiefs, what do you think of uh, how they've uh, assembled uh, their roster this offseason, uh, how things come together? It seems like they found some protection for uh, for Patrick. Yeah, the whenever the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown Jr., he the Chiefs released a video where where uh, where Orlando was saying, "I'm going to make sure that no one touches Patrick Mahomes," and and um, and I recorded that clip to be like. Oh, I need to save that for the rest of the year because that's the ultimate godsend that anyone could have that that the the god that is Brett Beach raining down above with the the angelic glow coming from him. The ultimate desire of Chiefs Kingdom was to bring in pass protection. And um it started with Thuni and they brought in Austin Blythe, a solid center. And then you're thinking like, oh, like, that's cool. You beefed up the interior, but like, what about the edges? And then Brett features like, okay, hold my beer. And then, and then trades for a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle and um, a guy that's still young with a lot to grow. And, and uh, then you bring in, you bring in a Kyle Long, who I know is injured right now, but should figure into being, uh, there at right guard with Laurent Deverne Tardif, the doctors back in town, um, and Remmers uh, seeing that he's probably going to figure out to be the right tackle, and he was a really solid option at right tackle last year. So you you go into the offseason thinking, goodness, this is a mess. How are we going to work our way around this? Um, and you end up with at least at minimum two guys that should figure to be pro bowlers with Thune and Brown um, and a handful of other dudes that should figure God willing that they stay healthy, a bunch of guys that should figure to be um, really solid contributors. The chiefs went from an offensive line um, being a real point of weakness coming into this season to, I would, I mean, really from top to bottom is one of the more complete uh, position groups now. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable uh, that they've done that in such a uh, quick amount of time. And 
I'm trying to find the weakness with this team, uh, Mitchell. I mean, you look at, you know, if you, you said before this offseason, what were the biggest weaknesses? You probably had said the offensive line and the linebacking core. You draft Nick Bolton from your alma mater, Mizzou, who I thought was a first-round talent, and you got better on that offensive line. Secondary, you're going to be better just getting a healthy Juan Thornhill back and sorts. Um, I mean, sure, the Bucs were the best team at the end of last season, but there's no reason to think that the Chiefs aren't back on top entering 2021. What say you? Right. I think – well, the, the, the big talk coming into this season now has been the Mark 20-0. and And that, whether that happens is more than likely looking odds is not going to happen. But um, whether it's not 20-0, and 0, it's not – it shouldn't be – you shouldn't expect to be far off from that mark. Um, because realistically, the Chiefs still – they came into they, – they came into this year being one of the best rosters – even with an offensive line that was in shambles. And now you get that figured out. And really, like, the position groups where you could argue are, are looking somewhat suspect right now is the wide receiver number two spot. Maybe it's Corn, Cornell Powell. Maybe it's McColl Hardman. Maybe it's Demarcus Robinson. Maybe, maybe it's Byron Pringle. Maybe it's a combination of all of those dudes for the number two spot. That's, that's, um, that, that, that is a question mark. But, like, what I think always gets overlooked with that number two spot is it's really your number three spot because at the end of the day, your number one and two receivers are Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. So it's really your wider. It's really offensive um, uh, option. Number three. Um, and that, so that spot is, I think can be kind of overblown a little bit Um and um, especially considering that the in, coming into this next season, next season, um, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is healthy again. And you should figure that Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be with a more beefed up offensive line, should have more options, um, should, should have more options as a running back. Because considering toward the end of during the playoff run, the Chiefs had didn't have much of an, a running game to, to, to speak for because he was injured. Um, and then outside of the wide receiver number two spot, it's really boundary corner. Without uh, returning um, uh, Bashad Breland, you're really expecting that uh, Legarius Sneed is going to step up. And like he was a standout rookie last year, figures to be one of the one of the top corners in the league this coming year. If he continues on the mark that he's he's going on, couldn't end up being a really a really elite or a standout uh, boundary corner, but. The guy that's opposite him, Javarius Ward, was up and down is, I, I suppose, a kind way of putting his season last year. So your your corner position is the other one where you're like, ah, this is this isn't as as uh, locked down as I would like it to be. But still, you have um, a really solid safety tandem in uh, Sorensen and the the Badger, Honey uh, uh, Tyron Matthew, and then Juan Thornhill is your number three. So. As bad as like the corners could potentially be, you still have, you still have an elite back end to cover up that stuff. So, like I said, the the mark that the team is looking for is twenty and zero. That odds are just isn't going to happen. But you shouldn't be expecting too far off from that mark. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And uh, we see today Mahomes is going to be on the cover of Madden with uh, Tom Brady. 
Or uh, are you going to be Biden Madden with uh, with those two on the cover, uh, Mitch? Um, let's see. The last Madden that I bought um, whenever it released was, I think, the Calvin Johnson Madden. I think that was 13. It's been a uh, Yes, it's been, I mean, the, look, the jury's out on Madden in that it is a, it, it is everything that, that, that Call of Duty got, that uh, would get critiqued for. It's just a reskinned, uh, faster version of the older uh, year. And um, is it, is it something I would buy exclusively because Mahomes and Brady's on the cover? Look, the artwork that was released I'm not gonna lie. That was cool. That was that was dope. That was really awesome. Um, and just seeing that artwork made me want to be like, "Wow, that's really cool. I want that." But I have such a, I have such a. It's it's like me with Culver's. I have been burnt to go. the ground, and there's no, there aren't any crops left after the massive fire. There's not like my my house has been burnt down. There's no studs left. I've been I, I've been so wronged. You've been disappointed it, one too many times. Precisely, I've been I've been wronged so many times that it's it's like whenever you say the word Madden, it almost gives me a conniption fit. I almost like have a seizure in the moment, like oh Madden, oh no, I can't even I can't even remotely think about. It. Even though the artwork is so cool, it is so dope to see two goats next to each other. My thing is uh, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, you can't even buy anywhere. Where am I supposed to be able to play this game? You just got to be better at that, Tyler. <laughs> got to be better. <laughs> be better next time. I still play NCAA 14 on my Xbox 360. Yeah, I bought a PS3 uh, during the height of the pandemic. I bought a PS3 for like 50 bucks. I already had NCAA 13. So. San Jose State has won like five straight national championships. My quarter, my star quarterback Ben Stone has thrown for twenty thousand career passing yards and over two hundred touchdowns. I'm proud of Ben. <laughs> He's rock solid. Forgive my pun. Right. <laughs> KU's won a lot of national titles, uh, you know, in my dynasty moment. since we. Oh, I had a. I had a believe it or not, even though I'm a, I'm a Mizzou, M I Z strong. I had a a, a KU team that I, I built. I because they're the worst team in the game. So I thought like, oh, you know, it would be cool to turn around one of the best team, one of the worst teams. And I had I had won like seven straight national championships, and then the game pooped out on me. So I can't like, I can't play my KU franchise anymore. That's why I'm I'm with San Jose State. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite moments ever, uh, Mitchell, uh, a few years back, I ran into Brad Nistler and I told him like, Hey, you've called a, a lot of my video games over the years. And then he <laughs> said, did you, did I, did I call a national title? Did, uh, he said, was, uh, was there a national title involving Kansas? And I said, Oh, there was quite a few. And he's like, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> you were there, Brad. What a moment it was. Yes. It was you were there at the trophy presentation. It was 
all your all the family was around crying. <laughs> the 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 true son has brought back the trophy. And Brad Nestler was the guy that commentated this emotional moment. How could you forget? He and Kirk Herbstreit. It was great. Yeah. It's almost like it was a dream and never happened. (laughs) That's pretty much how you can describe uh, anything good in Kansas football, a dream that never happened. That's true. That's very true. (laughs) How the folks folks in Lawrence feeling about their uh, their new head coach? Um, So now this is my – so – I got here whenever Miles had just gotten hired. And, and it's, I think it's really profound. I think, I, I, I think that there are, there, there is, uh, there, there was a lot of optimism that was quickly dashed. Um, that was but there, when you earned your moniker as the Tom Rinaldi of Topeka with your hard hitting questions for Les Miles. They caught everyone's yeah, the uh, I still push back. I still have a lot of growing up, and there's a lot of dudes in that that KU market that are that are more are are more uh, more uh, are better deserve that title than me. But I appreciate the the compliment. But um, whenever I came to when I came here, I had seen one coaching turnover, and I think after you have a guy like David Beatty it's pretty easy to have um, uh, uh, abundance of, con- of, uh, of, of confidence after going through that nightmare. Um, but um, you see the way the fan base immediately starts gassing themselves up like, oh, like the first year we're going to take our lungs. But after that, you just wait. And um, uh, I think there, there had been a handful of the the previous coaches there had been a lot of swings for the fences and i think it's easier whenever you're hiring a coach for that is like a swing for the fence this could be a home run type of guy um that it's easier for people to focus on that like really that's like a 20 25 chance there's a 70 75 chance or an 80 85 or 80 75 chance that this is a massive swing and a miss and fans are like, but like that 20, 25% was like really cool, you know? So, so with, with miles, there was a lot of people focusing on, Hey, this is, this could be really, really cool versus the new coaching staff with coach Leopold. Um, it's, there's been a lot more, um, there's, it seems like there's been a lot more, Hey, we got an adult to bring into the room and it seems there's a lot more, like even with bringing in athletic director Travis Goff, there's a lot less like, hey, we're we're going to. I, I think there's a lot less. We're going to win a championship. I think there's a lot more. Um, we're we need to set the foundation because this foundation is really shaky. There's like a reality show going on here. Yeah, right. We don't have. They didn't have a camera crew following around the the coach before he had even hired been hired for the position. Um. So there's like one of the things that Coach Leipold had um, had had been talking about whenever I, I was at his his opening day press conference. One of the one of the big things that he was hitting on was consistency, and that's not just like emotional consistency. That's just within his coaching staff consistency. He brought in a lot of there's a lot of people that have come with him from the Buffalo regime, and w- one of the things he talked about during his time with Buffalo was that 
he kept a lot of the same staff intact. So um, there's been, I mean, I mean, it's kind of the, the, the hallmark of the KU experience that like, I mean, like whenever the previous coaching regime came in, it wasn't too long that um, within the first couple months, there was already an offensive coordinator change. And then the season comes around, there's another offensive coordinator change, um, several position coach changes. It just was, there was like a continual change of who is going to be the guy that is um, running the room at the end of the day. And, and there has been a very straight or a very um, cognizant effort to make it sound like, hey, we have, we have adults in the room that are going to be there to answer the questions. And does that, is that as sexy as we're going to go win a, cha- a national championship? It's, that, it's not as sexy as that, no. But I think the fan base has been desperate for, for someone to be a realistic adult in the room. And I think that's been something that's, um, that's been a welcome change. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, and so now I wonder, uh, what, what is the expectation there, uh, heading into uh, 2021 and beyond? What, what is the, uh, realistic belief of what, uh, what, what Leipold needs to do there in, uh, in Lawrence right now? I think, um, the expectation is, um, well, I think, I, I think there is, I, I think uh, KU fans have been burnt so much on the word expectation that they just turn to what do they hope for? Sure. And I think something they hope for is to prove that Coach Leipold can be a power five coach first. That we they took a, a, a swing on a guy that like oh he's shown an ability to turn around uh, turn around uh, below tier colleges Buffalo was nothing special and then by the time he got done it was in a much better place than what he started with <clears throat> and um, the hope is now that okay you did that in a non power five school now you're coming to a power five program that exists in a similar state that you had with Buffalo, that it was a program that was not special. And then you turn it into a school that was respectable. So the hope is with Leipold that this is a guy that can hit what he did on a non-power five level can be a power five level. Um, um, uh, uh, coach. Go, yeah. A power five level coach, you know? So that's, I think the opening goal and then the next is um to prove that you can like you can you can you can create legitimate talent like there's there have been a handful of really solid athletes that have come through KU um I mean I I was surprised that Puka Williams wasn't drafted at, at somewhere towards the end I get it I get from like there were character issues um, and there are issues about how exactly does he translate to being um, he's a guy that doesn't figure to be an every down type of bat. But um, that was a, that's a guy that's likely going to make the Bengals roster. Um, Andrew Parchment's currently on the Florida State roster. Um, Stefan Robinson's now on the Northwestern roster. Uh, Khalil Herbert was drafted, um, going to be playing in the NFL. Um, 
Hakeem Adeniji is still in the NFL. Like there's been, there's been for, for a team that's that, that went winless last year, there is, you can point to places where there are like you have talent. Um, Not everybody can say that either. That's the other part of it. Yeah. So they, they, they need to prove that Leipold needs to prove that he can be a power five coach. He needs to prove on top of that, that like you can create talent that's going to be, that's going to be used, utilized in the correct way to bring about success. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, what about Manhattan? What's, uh, what's going on with K-State? How are they feeling uh, with, uh, with their crew heading into a 2021? Hmm. I think, well, if you would have asked, if you would have asked after last season, I know they lost a bowl game, I guess two years ago now, um, they, you would have thought that, oh, that Coach Kleiman is the second coming of God. And, um, and, and then after last season, I think, I think there is still a fair amount of optimism. I think a lot of people are giving him the benefit of the doubt because this team was just ravaged by COVID um, and, and they lost their, their quarterback, Skylar Thompson to a shoulder or it was, I talked with Skylar about it a while back. Um, and he, it was a really weird situation. It wasn't like a shoulder thing. It was something like a, so, it was like something in between his shoulder and his bicep. And it was, he had told me that the doctor that was helping him out with it was like, the injury was such like a 1% of 1% type of thing. Um, so um, when I, when I talked with him, uh, it was at Wyatt Hubert's draft party. When I talked with him, he had said that like, Oh, he's still kind of working through it, but he should be good to go. Um, so I think, I think overall K-State fans are like, I, I think they're, I, I like they they the experience of Coach Kleiman is still highlighted by hey we've beat Oklahoma two times, um, so it's still like hey we when this thing is right it's right, but they're still annoyed by the hey why did we closing out the why did we um, we we've been we've lost to West Virginia twice I think now um, we've been. Um, Iowa State passed us up last year. You know, it's the the rivalry between Iowa State and and K State is pretty real. So, um, our team is now behind Coach Campbell, which makes a lot of Manhattan fans or people in Manhattan feel a certain type of way. They don't like Matt Campbell around there. Say what? They don't like Matt Campbell around there in Manhattan. So. Oh, they're not very fond of him. <laughs> so, um, they. K-State fans don't like the feeling of, hey, we're not I, – I can – they can wrap their minds around um, – they can wrap their minds around, hey, Oklahoma should be at the top. Yeah, we're going to beat them, but, like, I can understand that. Will it frustrate them that Texas can be near the top? Yeah, but, like, oh, they have the resources. I can get that. The things that K-State fans don't want to wrap their minds around is that they would be third or they would be fourth behind Iowa State. So really fifth when you factor in Oklahoma State. Yeah, right. So so um, that's where I think the real problem would start to arise. Like uh, if, if they were to lose out on the competition between Iowa State and Oklahoma State, that's where 
that's where the real problem starts to arise. So as of now, the experience is still highlighted by, hey, we've beat ranked Oklahoma twice now. Um, but there's still the, oh, I'm holding my breath because we've lost, we're, we're seem to be trailing Iowa State now. Yeah. Okay. We got a couple more minutes left with you, Mitchell. So I got to ask you, uh, you as a, a guy that grew up a, a Husker fan, I've been told that this fall I need to go to Husker Stadium and eat a runza at a Husker game. Uh, I, I think I'm going to do it. Do, do I, I really need to eat the runza there? You got to get the full experience. You got to get the – you have to get the corn hat. No, that's where I draw the line. I'm not wearing it. Come on. In fact, I'm not even rooting for Nebraska. As a guy who grew up an OU fan, I can't stand Nebraska. And for them leaving for the Big Ten and all that, uh, I will root for whoever Nebraska's playing. Oh, come on. <laughs> Be kind. The, it's the – it's whenever, whenever um, Memorial Stadium's rocking, it's the third largest city in, in the state of Nebraska. Come on. Join the Sea of Red. You know you want to. You don't want the the Booner Sooner red. You want the you want that good old we bleed red, go big red. Are you a Runza guy? I know you don't like Culver's. What about Runza? It exists. <laughs> Nothing excites you when it comes to food. Uh, you know me. I, I'm a I'm a big Waterburger guy more than anything else. There. I don't think it's on their main menu anymore, but they had this one um, sandwich I really liked. It was the, it was a um, a buffalo ranch chicken strip sandwich, mm. and it was yeah, it's exactly what it's at. That these chicken strips dipped in buffalo sauce, like coated in ranch, and then thrown on two buns. And I I think it's on like their secret menu. I don't think it's on their main menu. But if you ask them for it, I think they would know what you're talking about. That's that's what I love. <laughs> that sounds electric. I might have to define it. Uh, Mitchell, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, you are special. Man. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> a little backstory. I invited him on a couple weeks ago. You're <laughs> back from somebody. And then they got back to me and said yes before I heard from Mitchell. So they had to push this back a couple of weeks. But it was worth it. Thanks for joining us. Today I got the, the final rose. <laughs> you, you only. Mitchell, uh, follow him on Twitter. Check him out on Facebook. Doing great work in Topeka. We appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can check out O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Also, you can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com, brian.oconnor at lpl.com, and also O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week, man? Man, we're doing well. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, recovering from uh, a nice uh, few days uh, on the road, but nonetheless, we're uh, back in the saddle again, Bo. Bo, what's, uh, 
What's going on at uh, OAG this uh, this week? These last few hey, weeks? we're staying busy. Things are going great in the new location. We want to come. You want to come by and see us? Come by and see us over Twenty Fifth Street in Lawrence. Give me a call first. I know you're coming. But um, hey, um, we want to chat with some people. Hey, do you have either you? I know you just changed jobs. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you, and I want to talk to everybody who's changed jobs the last couple of years. And you got that old four hundred one k laying around. Maybe it's got a few hundred dollars. Maybe it's got a couple thousand. Maybe it's got a hundred thousand dollars in there. But you're going to get your statement coming up. You know, we're getting near the end of the quarter, June 30th, the end of the second quarter. And usually about the 10th, 15th of July, you'll start seeing your quarterly statement roll in. And you're going to look at it and go, eh, okay, it's up, it's down, whatever, and throw it away. If you do that, give me a call. Give me 10 minutes of your time. And let me take a look at what you got. Let me show you a way where you can have more control of it, save you some money, and do a better job for you in your situation. That's what we want to talk to. So if you're going to be going through that, you changed jobs last couple of years, you know you got that old 401k, you got that statement coming in a couple of weeks, hey, give me a call. We want to talk to you. 785-856-0720, OAGKS.com. You can just message me right on the website there as well. We want to be your partner. Uh, Absolutely. Always. Yes. Well, I got to tell you real quick, uh, on my trip to Dallas, uh, I made the trek out to uh, the Star, the Cowboys new facility there. What a fine piece of real estate that Jerry Jones put together with that facility and the the shops and uh, the restaurants around it. Jerry owns all that land, too, all the apartments and hotels, pretty phenomenal stuff. You know, I look at it this way, Bo. When it comes to being a businessman, that's never been the issue with Jerry Jones. He's always provided the best for the Dallas Cowboys when it comes to facilities and all those great things. But the same issue that it's always been with, with Jerry and the boys is his personnel decisions as a GM and being the GM. I look at it, Bo, whenever Jerry moves out of the way, I think Stephen Jones is going to run that program a whole lot different than his dad. He'll bring in smart people, smart football people, and still have all the facilities and everything there. The Cowboys, it's not a great job right now because of Jerry Jones, but when he steps aside, uh, there's no reason why the Cowboys can't get back on top here in the uh, in the near future when Jerry does move on. I, yeah. Well, I you know, I think Jerry Jones is a great owner. I think he's a fantastic owner. I mean, if you know where they were as a team, as a franchise, when he bought that team, and Jerry Jones did the smart thing when he bought the Cowboys. He hired Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson was his football guy. And then there was the argument of, well, was it Jerry or was it Jimmy? You know, Jerry's putting up the money, and Jimmy's getting all the glory. And, you know, they were college roommates and buddies and everything else. And then all of a sudden you get a rift between the two where Jerry thinks, well, because of my money, we were successful. There's absolutely some truth to that. But without Jimmy Johnson, he's not as successful. What Jerry's done business-wise is fantastic. I mean, he took buying that franchise and done everything he could the right way as far as rebranding it. They're still America's team. They were they were falling off that mantra, and he got them back on them. Uh, you know, winning those Super Bowls in the 90s, and then the business parts you know, building that big stadium. Now they have this brand new practice facility that's state-of-the-art, and they're starting the arms race because now everybody else wants to do it. Uh, but putting everything around that, making it a destination, 
And then the fact that Jerry Jones has got a financial stake in all that, it's really genius. It's a great move to make more residual money off your original investment. Um, I'll never blame him for that. What Jerry Jones has done bad in the last you know, 15 years probably has been he doesn't hire good football people. Right. You know, he, he did try to go back to Bill Parcells at one time. And he just wasn't patient enough with Parcells. That wasn't a good marriage. You know, um, Stephen Jones has become the guy basically running the team, is you know, Jerry's son. Uh, but Jerry's still got some say in how some things are going to go. The big things are not going to get done without Jerry's um, uh, say. So, yeah, I think that's going to be an issue. I think that they get the right football people in there. That's a, a fantastic job for a coach. And if you're a free agent, it's a place you definitely would want to go. Texas, no state income tax, warm all year round. You know, you're in a community where your team is the team. Yeah, I, I can see that. I have just wondered why Jerry Jones can't take that step back where other owners can to let himself, let his team be more successful on the field. And maybe they are, we can't really judge, but like I think I wasn't inspired by the Mike McCarthy hire. You know, Jerry Jones is his own general manager. I mean, I don't think he's put in the time to go scout. You know, it's just, that's the thing. And so it's, you can't be your own GM. You can't be your own head coach. You can't do those things if you're going to be this superb businessman. You have to give up one or the other. And to his credit, he has done both, but he's not a good general manager at all. Credible businessman. Right. I mean, I mean, someone that is someone who owns a business would like to emulate. But as someone who is a football person, he's kind of piss poor in that way. Just back up and let the people, football people do what the football people do. It's worked everywhere else. Look what Robert Kraft has done. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at a lot of owners out there that just step back. They let the football people decide what's going to happen, and they do it. There's going to be that, you know, that one big case comes along. You know, for Dallas, it's Dak. You know, we're dealing with that with you know, the Packers and, and Rodgers. But you can be the owner and make that decision. But you still need the input from the football people. So I, that's his one shortcoming to me. But as a business guy, I mean, second to none. I, I'm kind of jealous you got to go see that place. I'd like to go see it myself. Oh. I've heard some great, great things about it. I had some great Mexican food there too. Uh, I always love to eat some good, uh, good Mexican. But this certainly helped things. Like I was just watching uh, around, you're know, walking around the the area, uh, Bo, and just casually, I see two Ferraris sitting around, and I'm like, "Yep, this is we're in Jerry Jones country right now. <laughs> we're in Jerry Jones area here. Yeah, <laughs> right. these are his people." Um, with that being said, we'll, uh, we'll move on to uh, the football news of the week. Uh, starting out with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, LDT made his return to the Chiefs facility, their one Arrowhead Drive. And, of course, he opted out of the 2020 season to uh, be a frontline worker in the battle against COVID-19 there in Canada. He appears to be ready to go. Uh, we know Kyle Long's got – a bit of an injury of some sort. So already, you know, what it looked like before that LDT was going to be a backup. Now looks like that uh, his uh, role is certainly going to be very valued, very important here. What a, what a story for LDT. And certainly glad to see him back on the football field and back in Kansas City, bro. 
Yeah, I think it's a cool story that you've got, you know, LDT coming in there and and coming back, doing working frontline in COVID there in his home country. And, and I mean, what a story. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes you a man of the year. I mean, whether it's an award you get or just everyone should, you see him on the street in Kansas City, give him a salute, give him a, give him an attaboy, something. That is an awesome, awesome thing. And I hope that he is successful. Hope he makes the team. I hope he gets to, I hope he gets to play. I don't want to see Kyle Long get hurt. I'm sorry to see that he's hurt. and probably not going to be ready until week one. But, you know, I think the LDT story is a really cool story. And something we just don't see that often. We hear about football players who are just dumb, big guys. And this is a guy who's a doctor. And, I mean, just gives of himself and gives of himself. And, hey, my hat's off to you. And uh, I think it's awesome. I do, too. I mean, there's not much more you can say than that right there. And, and, and the Chiefs, you know, we, we saw what that offensive line went through there in that Super Bowl. Um, you know, his role, even just providing depth, based on what you saw there, the lack of depth, even if Kyle Long gets healthy, uh, Bo, LBT is going to have a big role with this team. They'll find a way to use him one way or the other, even if he's not the starting uh, offensive guard there. Uh, he'll, he'll get, his day will come. Yeah, he's a guy who can play both sides there at guard. He can play both the left and the right. I don't know if he can center or not. I mean, most guys who play guard can be center. So um, if he can get that snap down, he'll be fine there. He is a guy that provides you with some depth and a guy that they certainly could have used in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs have made that that situation, a lot of offensive line, a priority. And uh, they've certainly made a lot of moves to get there and get what they want. You know, Kyle Long getting hurt is a little bit of bad luck, but they'll figure it out. And um, it, it, it may be a blessing for LDT. And you know what? It may be a blessing for the Chiefs, too, because Kyle Long is someone who's sat out a year as well. He's had injuries. He's had problems. Hard to come back after a year. So, you know, you never know. It might be in the, in the long run, it could be a good thing. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, you know, you hear some other noise there out of uh, one Arrowhead drive this week. You know, Patrick Mahomes saying that, you know, the goal for their team, they want to go – uh, you know, 20 and all, and Orlando Brown says he's going to make sure no one in the world touches Pat Mahomes and such. I mean, uh, a lot of talk there, it seems, from uh, the Chiefs. I know it's many camp, and you know, you're always looking for headlines, but they're uh, they're certainly making some noise of some sort there, it seems. Yeah, you know, I wonder how much of that 20 nose kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, you're going to get clipped once, it's just going to happen. I mean, no one's going to win 20. It just isn't going to happen. And, and if they do, God bless them. But you know what? I mean, but you need to go in there. If you're the chief, you need to go into that mindset of we are the top dog and we are here to go 20 and 0. We're not here to go 18 and 1 or 18 and 2 or 19 and 1 because you're not saying where that one's going to be. Um, you know, obviously the Chiefs are going to be the long favorite here. I think they got to be. They're the best team, I think, going in. They address their issues in the offseason. And yeah, I don't really mind a quarterback saying that and saying, hey, you know, this is this is our mindset. It's 20 and 0. Uh, you got like a tackle that says, I'm making sure you, my quarterback doesn't get hit. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's your the job. mindset. It's your job, man. That's the mindset we want these guys to have. And so as a coach, yeah, I can I can forgive a little bulletin board because it's not really bulletin board material. Well, you said you're gonna go 20 and 0. We said our goal is to go 20 and 0. Everyone's goal is to go 20 and 0. You know, it isn't like he went out and said, 
I think the Baltimore Ravens suck. And we get them in the playoffs, we're going to beat them by 50. That would be Baltimore. That would be Baltimore material. You know, you know, if he goes there and says, you know, I'm the best quarterback of all time, and I don't care what anybody else says. That's Baltimore material. I want to hear him do that. What's that? (laughs) I want to hear him do that. Yeah, you do that, though. That's too much. We go in there and say, hey, and our team goal is this. Yeah, it means we're confident in our team. We like who we are. We like our situation. And and you should have that in in June. And every team should be thinking that in June. Yeah. Except for the Eagles and the Jaguars. Yeah, uh, I think you're you're right about that. Uh, we mentioned Texas. L- I'll add the Texas to that too. Mm-hmm. We mentioned LDT uh, and also Kyle Long, two guys that did not play last season are making their return from opting out. Several players around the league uh, coming back in 2021 after not playing this year. Uh, generally speaking, Bo, of the opt-outs. Do you think there's going to be a negative effect on the guys that are sitting out that are not that did not play last year? Do you think that they're going to take a considerable step back as opposed to if they did play last year? Or do you think it's not going to be a factor at all? Well, I think it's going to be on a per case basis. I, I really do. It's I think you're more likely to see. Here's what I think you're more likely to see. You're more likely to see an older player get hurt. How long? You're more likely to see that on the older players. The guy who's had a year, he's off, he hasn't been doing football stuff for a year. Uh, you, you can do all the working out, get into the gym, and a lot of these guys, they just kind of got thinner for a year, which is for alignment, a good thing. But um, so you're going to see some injuries for older guys. For younger guys, you could see a drop off because of lack of playing time, especially with a younger player who's less experienced. So I think you can see that, but it's going to be similar to like a player who misses a season because of an injury. You just can't predict it. And I don't think there's going to be one rule across the board. Um, I think more of what we're going to see is kind of on a per case basis. And again, kind of my prediction of if you're going to see some things, I think you'll see more injuries, to the older guys, more guys who maybe the skills are diminished from the younger guys who just aren't as experienced. Maybe, maybe some guys that don't make rosters a year later, because they were younger and they just didn't have the enough tape, if you will. Who comes to mind? Who do you think is going to have a big year off the uh, the opt out? Uh, for me, it's Dante Hightower there in New England. What say you? Well, I think Dante Hightower is set up set up to be in a good spot. A year you're in a, you're in a position where you're not having to come back as um, the big guys, the offensive defensive linemen. That's where it's tough. So a guy like Dante Hightower doesn't have to worry about his weight going down and up and up and down and everything else. Uh, he's also going to do an offense that he's going to get looks. He's going to get touches, and that's going to help. So I think that that's someone who can – can. I agree with you on Dante Hightower. I think that's a good one. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot that I'm going to sit there and go, well, this is the guy who can make something out of it. I think it was a lot of it's a personal choice. I don't think teams are going to uh, – are going to hold it against these players. They opted out for COVID. And, uh, but I do think that it's going to be a little bit difficult to get back into it. Those players need to get to training camp. They need to be in camp and make sure they're doing the right things there. Make sure they're vaccinated, getting in camp, get going. Yeah. It's uh, extension time coming up for uh, the 
uh, class of quarterbacks, which includes Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Uh, what do you think of those uh, three guys? Do you think that uh, each of their franchises is going to give them what they want, or do we see some situations similar to what Dak went through and just, uh, just kind of wrapped up? What do you make of the uh, uh, extension situation for those three guys? Okay, take them one at a time here. Let's do Baker first. Baker's getting his money. He's going to get the whole bag, the entire bag, and he's getting it from Cleveland. They're not making that mistake. They are not going to not pay him. It, it Baker can just, Baker can ask for anything, and it's not because Baker's worth it. I'm, he, he's, they're, they're all three great quarterbacks. They're all worth it. Um, Baker is Cleveland's the guy who's desperate. Yeah, Cleveland's doing I mean, They cannot make a mistake and lose a quarterback. You, we've all seen the jersey, you know, of the Cleveland, the fan from Cleveland who has the, each quarterback and they've scribbled through each of the names and it's 25 names long before you go back to Bernie Kosar. So, yeah, I, I think Baker's the one that he's going to get his back. There won't be a whole lot of arguing there. I think Lamar Jackson's going to get a deal. I think he's going to get one. I think he's going to get a, a really high deal too. I think Baltimore likes him. I think they like what he does. I think him and Harbaugh are a good marriage. I think he's worth it. He's won an MVP. Um, he's definitely worth it in my view. And I think that he's going to – I don't think there's going to be a problem getting him an extension. The one out of the three that's going to have the biggest argument is going to be Josh Allen. And I, I, I don't mean that – I think he's the worst of the three because I don't. I think they're all three good players. Um, I wonder if Buffalo is willing to commit. And then to say, well, we have a smaller window – of success for you. Lamar's been good since day one. Baker hasn't always been great, but he's always been good. He's always been effective, and he's been great at times. Josh Allen has all of your physical skills you need. He played outstanding this past year. You could argue he was in the MVP vote. But then you just really have kind of second half of the season before and this year to say this is the best that we've seen thus far. But he's going to have to get an extension. Buffalo's going to have to do it. So I can see where there's a little, little hang-up possibly, but I think they all get it done. I think all three franchises get it done. I think it's too important as a franchise that once you've got a franchise quarterback to keep the franchise quarterback. It's too hard to go find another one. So if you're not 100% sold, it doesn't matter. This has got to be your guy because it's too difficult to go back and get another. Well, I look at it this way, Bo. You know, we're always trying to see the balance of teams, you know, that draft quarterbacks and then figure out, okay, is this our guy long-term? And I, I set the line at Ryan Tannehill. If you have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, that's a guy worth paying, worth keeping for long-term. That should be your baseline. I think every team in the league should be happy if Ryan Tannehill was their franchise quarterback. That should be the baseline. And I see I, where you go with that. I look at these three quarterbacks, Mayfield, Lamar, Josh Allen. They're all there. They're all just yeah. good, if not better, than Ryan Tannehill is right now. With yeah. All three of them have rooms to grow and improvement there. Um, you mentioned with Buffalo, don't they have the, the least cap to work with too between those three? The other two have some more flexibility, I believe, when it comes to cap room. You could always make cap room for a quarterback. Let's look. Um, go to the next year. 
Buffalo is near the bottom. Um, so that may be, again, that may be a difficult part. It may be, okay, well, how do you figure out what to do on that? Um, but I don't think we'll see um, Buffalo mess around. They'll, they'll figure out a way to, to get it done. Um, I think it's too important to lock that guy up. He can't go into a contract next year. Let's see where he's at. Um, he's under contract for 2021 and 2022. You can't let him go into 2022 on a lame duck contract uh, because it's going to cost. Because it's either going to cost you a Dak Prescott situation, or you're going to have to let him go. And I just don't see Buffalo letting him go. So, yeah, get the money, figure it out. They can figure it out. You, you, when it comes to the QB, you'll figure it out. So I don't think that the salary cap is going to be an issue if you're locking up your franchise guy. You, it, it's that Russell Wilson effect that happened a few years ago. You know, we talked about this before. You know, you go back about 10 years, you had the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson on his rookie contract, and then you got to extend the quarterback and the Legion of Boom has to get separated. That's what teams are going to have to do. And that's what the Buffalo Bills are going to have to figure out is what defensive players, those high dollar players are going to have to go to make room for the quarterback. Cause they're going to have to keep it. now on the same side too. And maybe this is too early to tell. I don't know, but you tell me, are these guys going to get the type of money that we saw back and Patrick Mahomes get, or even more or less, what kind of dollar amount we're looking at for these three? I think Lamar breaks the bank. I think Lamar's going to get as much as Mahomes. I think Lamar's going to get 10 and 400. Um, I think Baker comes in the least. And I think Allen ends up in between. But I think Lamar's the one that's going to get paid the most. Unless these deals are done later in the season, which I don't know how the rules work with all that, but if they do them now, they're doing them now between now and the beginning of the 2021 season, um, I think Lamar's the one who gets the most money. Yes, I do think that you'll see them getting that same Dak Prescott, um, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson money. Yeah, they are. Those contracts aren't going down. They're going up. Now, I, Mahomes' deal is unique in how it's structured. But $400 million for 10 years for a franchise quarterback is going to be the going rate. Yeah, I think all these guys are going to get close to it. I think Lamar is going to go over. Okay. If I had to guess, that's my. If I had to bet it, that's where I'd go. Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. Bo, let's talk about Tua. Uh, sounds like he's struggling a little bit in a mini camp just the other day through five picks. We already know that seat is uh, certainly warm. There's not a long leash it seems for Tua, especially after how Brian Flores handled things last year. Uh, pulling him uh, a number of times for Ryan Fitzpatrick and such. Uh, what do you think of uh, Tua's situation there in Miami? Uh, it seems like they're, they're not giving him much leeway. I mean, this is uh, maybe his second year in the league, but, I mean, it's really a make-or-break year right away, I think, as far as uh, if, uh, if they're going to give him a chance to keep his job or not. What say you? Well, I think that Tua, this is the season. This is it. This is we're going to know if Tua is going to be a franchise quarterback this season. The Dolphins are going to give him every chance to do it. I don't really buy a whole lot of the he had five picks in a, in a scrimmage or whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, what the question I'd follow up with was, all right, what happened? 
Did he learn anything from it? Was he pressing? Was he just throwing a ball to throw a ball because maybe he's not really under pressure, but he's just trying to see if he can fit a ball on a spot? You know, I don't know how to help you describe five picks in a in a scrimmage in a in a, in a, in a preseason, not even a preseason in a training camp or a mini camp. They said the same thing about Mahomes going into his yeah, year. Yeah, the biggest knock on Patrick Mahomes in college was that he threw interceptions. It's because Tua's trying to figure out where his arm strength is. He's trying to figure out where can I put a ball? Where can I get this receiver? Oh, I can't hit that corner or I can't hit this spot because this isn't going to work. That's isn't it now the time I don't have a problem with that. Isn't now the time to figure that stuff out? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then you're out there in shells. I mean, it, it's – I think it's a lot to do about nothing to say, well, he threw five picks. Look, the bottom of the real story – and it's a narrative that you can throw the five picks as a narrative out there. But the story is, yes, this season is to a shot. And if he doesn't have a great season, the, the Dolphins are going to walk away from him. They're going to go to a free agency class or they're going to go to the draft next year and go pick another quarterback. They're not Because they're not going to want to extend him. That's not the guy. You, you look at your Ryan Tannehill model, He's, he's less than Ryan Tannehill? Nope, we ain't going to do it. You know, so I a lot of times we see some of these headlines, and it's a headline because we got to sell something. We got to get clicks. If the story, we got the right story, but we got the wrong fact to go with. So let him see what happens. I want to see where he's at week six. Let me see what six games in the season he looks like. If in week six, we're going to know if Tua Tagovailoa is a good quarterback or not, or if he's the right fit for the Dolphins. The Dolphins can make some moves here. So, yeah, I I think that uh, – I think their whole season depends on him being good, though. Mm-hmm. They have – we talked about it. You and I have both privately and on here talked about how much we love their roster. I mean, I would think it's the best young roster in football. They've got to have a quarterback. they got to have a quarterback who can play. So – yeah, that's what they're going to need to do. And they'll know. They'll know, like I said, six weeks into the season, we're going to know. But it doesn't do any good right now to say, well, he was really shitty in minicamp. It ain't going to matter for six, no. Yeah. If they go up there to New England week three or whatever they play New England, and they beat New England by 20, is anyone going to give two squirts of monkey piss about how many picks to it through at a minicamp in June? Right. I know. Why are we worried about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, Derek Carr says he will quit if the Raiders trade him. He seems like he's been on the trade block for, gosh, two or three years now. We've been talking about if Derek Carr was going to go or not. It looks like all indications point to he will be the starter, barring some trade of some sort uh, here. But uh, who would have thought, Bo, first off, I, I didn't see. Derek Carr lasting this long in Vegas. I don't know why Gruden and, May- and Mayock have kept him uh, along this this at this month rate, but to hear him say that he would quit and retire if the Raiders trade him—that's just all talk, right? I mean, there's no way he'd actually quit. It's, it's not if it's when the Raiders trade. Yeah, and, and let us see here. I, all right, first off, I'll say it this way: This is Coach Bosman, a little red ass here. All right, first off, Derek Carr. 
I don't know who the blue hill you think you are, that you think you're worth anything for. I, he's a terrible quarterback. I mean, he's, he's not good. He's not a franchise quarterback. The Raiders moved to Vegas. Should have changed quarterbacks immediately. Um, they didn't say, well, if I'm traded, I'll quit. Basically saying, I don't want to get traded and screw you guys. If you trade me, I'm going to use what little bit of leverage I have. You know what? I'm looking at salary cap right now. You know what I'd tell him? Bye-bye. Take your money. Take what money we owe you. They owe him uh, they owe $2.5 million. They can save $19 million on the cap by doing a cut now that we're past June 1st. So I think the best thing I would do if I was Derek Carr is I'd shut the fuck up. Because otherwise, you might cost yourself $20 million. Because the right GM might just say, oh, really? We're a salary cap strapped team. And we might be able to make a trade for a quarterback. So why don't you just get all the way over there, the hell out of here? Yeah, I would absolutely trade Derek. I'd trade him for a bucket of baseballs as a football coach. I, it wouldn't do me any good, but it doesn't matter. Get him out of here. If you don't want to be the quarterback here or anywhere else, I don't care. Go. You're not going to help us. You're out of here. And if it's, well, I'm only going to play here, I don't give a shit. I, I, I am not a fan. I'm not a fan of this move. I would tell him sayonara and get him the hell on out the paint. Yeah, uh, I agree. And to look at the fact that he's been there as long as he has, um, you know, the, the Raiders, that team's not contending for the postseason by any means. Um what kind of market would there be if they did try to trade for him of some sorts? Is anyone interested, you think, in, in taking no. if they were to trade him? No, the best thing the Raiders could do right now is, is go ahead and play Marcus Mariota instead. And then hope that somebody and then have somebody have somebody get a quarterback who's hurt. And then say, Hey, you want a guy who can fill you in for a season? Because by then Derek Carr's wife's gonna say to him, Hey, Baby, you need to go play that for that 20 million. That 20 million is all you're going to get. We kind of need that cash. Um, you know, I, just, I got no use for that guy. None. I, I, I wanted to ride the deck. I wanted to be, I was for him. I wanted him to be successful. He's the worst quarterback in the division. Yeah. And he's the reason that team's not good. Mm hmm. They put a really good offensive line in front of him, gave him a running game. He's got receivers. They got a pretty good defense. I'll ask you this way, Jonesy. If you took any of the top 15 quarterbacks, I'm not going to say we're carrying, top 15 quarterbacks in the league and plugged them into the Raiders, are the Raiders a playoff team? Uh, they're close. If you took any other quarterback from his division and put him in Las Vegas, is it a playoff team? Not Teddy. I don't think Teddy takes him to the playoffs. I think he would. I would take – I'd have to look at the list. I'll bet there's 20 quarterbacks in the league. If you put him in that Raider team this season, would at least contend to be in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's not he, – he's the worst – he's the worst – Position, he's the worst player at that position. I don't mean he's the worst player. That's probably not player. That's probably worse. But 
for that team, that room, that position is the worst position on that team. And it's because they don't have a franchise guy. And he's the example of, we talked about the three guys earlier who are going to get contracts. Derek Carr is an example of why you have to pay the guy you got if he's worth it. Well, and why if he's not worth it, you have to cut loose. It goes back and to what we Derek talked Carr about. has to go. It goes back to what we talked about with Cleveland, where we said Cleveland was desperate because they went so long without a quarterback. The Raiders had a little bit of success that one year before the injury where Derek Carr looked like an MVP quarterback and were without a good quarterback for so long, they felt like at the time they had no choice because that was their first taste of success in the quarterback position in 20 years. Yeah, he played really well for a couple weeks. You and I got in a huge argument about Derek Carr just like two months ago. And I was on the Derek Carr train of, okay, you know what, I kind of like, but I, it, I have said consistently for the last year, though, that I would have cut him. I would have cut him this offseason. The salary cap there, the issue was there. You could, you could have got out of it easily, saved you some salary cap room. They should have made that move back in, in March. You know, instead they went and redid Mariota's contract, which they could have cut too, and they could have gone and got a quarterback. They could have been the team that went and got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They could have drafted somebody. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. And so now John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they have to ride this Derek Carr train. And then Derek Carr pulls this dick move on them. Screw that guy. Because those are the only two guys that are in the foxhole with Derek Carr right now are Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's move on to New England. Uh, Cam Newton says that he supports Mac Jones getting drafted 110% there uh, by the Patriots. I hear Cam say this, and Bo, I'm like, well, and what else is he going to say? I mean, Cam knows that his time is coming up, that he's not going to be there very long. He's only on a one-year contract. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't played at an elite level in years. Um I mean, what else is he supposed to do? I mean, I, I think Cam is self-aware that his job – is to get Mac Jones ready and, and be the best teammate he can be to, to hand over the keys to Mac Jones. I think Cam understands that. Yeah, I think Cam gets it. I think this is a really great sign. And I think it's dismissive to say, a little dismissive to say, well, what else is he going to say? I think he really believes. I think he understands that, hey, my role is to be the placeholder for one year. And if he doesn't play well, it may not be for a full year. Um but I think that it's, it shows maturity that he's going to come out and say, hey, I get it. You know, I'm here on a one-year deal. I ain't your franchise guy. You got a young guy. You like him. Obviously, you liked him. You drafted way, way, way up to get him. You know, or you, you sat there and won the first round. Took him in the first round. You know, he said trade up. He got him in the first round, though. So I think it's the mature thing of Cam Newton to say that and to do the things the right way. Um, Cam Newton is a pro. I think that he has gotten a bad rap over time. I do. I think Cam Newton's gotten a bad rap over the years. People will insult him by some of the comments he's made here and there. Or I'm always um, like Cam. The, the only Super Bowl where he didn't dive for the ball. You know what? Most running quarterbacks don't dive. Right. For the I, I don't like how he handled the Super Bowl post game and all that too. But I mean, no, but I, I, I get that. I get that too. But you know what? At the same time, it's the Super Bowl, man. It's emotional. You just had. Uh, you, I get it. I, I'm not going to begrudge anybody one mistake. And, yeah. and, and look, he's been a model freaking citizen. Have we had any legal issues with Cam Newton? No. Any suspensions with Cam Newton? 
No. Any drugs, any, any, no, we don't have any of these problems with Cam Newton. I, I think Cam Newton's a model. Uh, Cam Newton's like a role model. He really is. I think every young quarterback should look at someone like that and say, this is how you behave. Well, he, he, you could say he was a little immature, but I don't think he was immature when he was that immature when he was young. I think he was learning. Well, we it, all learn when we're young. You look at Cam, you know, he got kicked out of Florida for still laptops. Mac Jones, the quarterback that is there in New England, I mean, he had a DUI while he was in Alabama, too. I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's easy to say that Cam can teach Mac a thing or two. It could be a, a nice transition of sorts. I think that I think it's a great deal. And you know what? You've got Bill Belichick in there, and you've got Josh McDaniels in that quarterback room, and then you throw Cam Newton in there. That's going to help Mac Jones a lot. And Cam's going to – and he needs – I mean, I think he's going to need it. I think he's going to be all the help he can get. Um, but, man, I think Cam's going to handle it like a pro. I think he's handling it very well. Um, my, my, I applaud him for what he's doing. And I don't think it's just lip service. I really don't. I think he understands it. I think that what Cam Newton realizes is that, hey, I can play really well this season. And I may not be back here, but there will be teams that need a quarterback next year. And there will be a free agency class. And a little better salary cap, he's going to get paid. I mean, if he has a good season, yeah. I mean, he's got a good chance of doing something. So that's where I'm at with Cam. And I think it's awesome what he said. Yeah. Last thing uh, before we wrap here, the uh, college football playoff. Tom and I talked about this extensively last week. But it sounds like the playoff is looking at going to 12 teams with the six highest-ranked conference champions and six at-large bids, uh, a first-round bye for the top four seeds. Bo, what do you think of this uh, proposal that's being put together? I think I saw a report from ESPN the other day that's saying that this could increase revenue by $1.9 billion a year by going from four to 12 teams. We saw how much the college football playoff kind of regionalized the sport too much and how much ratings dropped off. Do you think this is what it can take to get college football back to be a national brand of some sort? Is this what could push the sport in the right direction? Well, since college football has had a playoff and the BCS even before that, the bowl games have been hurt. The bowl season itself has not been what it was when I was a kid, when I was younger. And you look, your players looked forward to playing at, you know, such and such bowl or whatever. Um, but we just now changed. We, we went to the first, it was the BCS. And now it's the playoff. And will it revitalize things? Yes. Because what were the three, the three games anybody watched last year were the two semifinal games and the championship game. And I don't really don't have the numbers in front of me, but the championship game was highly rated. Um, it was the lowest rated. Lowest, it was lowest last few years. But, but everything was in 2020. Sure. Everything. You look at the NBA Finals, did the same thing. World Series. Everything went down that season. So I can forgive that a little bit. I won't. But I think that, yes, I think that what it does, it now puts where you're going to have 12 teams. And college football being such a regional thing where you have that team in your area you root for. Well, now you got a chance. You know, now you got a chance like you do in basketball. I think it's a good thing. I do think there's some things to work out now. You're talking about an extra $1.9 billion, as Dr. Evil would say. Um, you know where I'm going with this. 
I want some of that money to go where it needs to go. And that's right into the hands of the people on the field. The players need to be getting the roll of that money. But there's just not enough money, bro. There's not enough money, y'all. Fuck yeah, there is. <laughs> You're going to give us 1.9 billion additional money. We're going to figure it out. A lot of stuff that's going to happen. The nerd stuff's coming. We'll talk about that later. I, I, I call it nerd stuff. That's the stuff I like as well. But I don't want to bore anybody with it. I think that it's a good thing. Um, there's going to always be arguments. You know, there's an argument on, well, you know, four or five. This year it was the Coastal Carolina and um, who was the other one? And Cincinnati. Yeah. You go, what if they get a chance? They might now. And how would have – would if Coastal Carolina versus Alabama had drawn a good rating, you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it'd be, the people would have been like, ooh, maybe fun to watch. They might have only been watched for the first half of it. I mean, well, it, then <laughs> people want, would want to pay attention to that Coastal Carolina BYU game, which, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. And so I think you look at that and you go, well, okay. Um, I, I, you got to pay the players, though. I mean, if they're going to play that many games, because they're not going to change the – now you've got teams playing three and four games to win a championship. You've got a couple – got four teams with a bye, and they're most likely to get there anyway. But uh, uh, say you're a 10 – say you're a middle seed, you've got to, what, play four games? Mm-hmm. So then you attack on four to your regular season. Say you were in a conference championship game, that's five games added to your regular season. You've got a 16-game schedule. That's an NFL schedule. Yeah. If you played a 12 game, it would be 17 almost. So, I mean, you, you there's some arguments out there. And there won't be every team playing that. There'll only be a couple of teams that have to go through that. But there's a lot to ask for young men who aren't being paid. So, I do have that issue with it. But uh, for college football, it's a great deal. It's a great deal for all your sponsors. It's a great deal for television. It's a great deal for you know, streaming, it's a great deal for everything. And there's, there's, if, the, if the money's going to the right people, I'm all for it. Real quick, I don't want to go too far down rabbit hole here, but just kind of wrap up on this. Last week, we talked about just the different things this affects and such and going to 12 teams. One thing we didn't mention was the idea of realignment. We know that there's some moves on the horizon with uh, some of these grants of rights coming up and such. Now that you have an idea what this system is going to be, you look at it and essentially Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State are pretty much going to be playoff locks every year in this new system. And then if one team can emerge in the Pac-12, whether it's an Oregon or a USC or whatever, then they could be in the same situation. Do you think that – this affects realignment of, okay, maybe we're not going to make as much money, but we have a guaranteed playoff spot, essentially. Do you think this has an effect on realignment in some way? No, I think that money is always money. Um, you're going to get the biggest bag, no matter who you are in your situation. I think in sports, I mean, in general, you're going to, there's certainly exceptions in life, but um, I think that, I think you're, 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 mostly right on the there are certain teams that are going to have a an advantage in getting to a bye and getting into the playoff a team like an Oklahoma a team like Alabama not a down year Alabama still makes it yeah 
Yes, but you're going to also you need you, and, and this is the problem whether it's realignment or not. It's the problem with having conferences as is, is that if you're going to have a conference champion situation, gets an automatic bid in this front four, well then the conferences all got to play by the by the same rules. So I'm not going to defend Notre Dame because I think they should join a conference. But Notre Dame, I mean, they can't be in the top four. Well, and with them never – Their AD is part of making the rules. It's real. <laughs> with them never being a part of the top four based on these rules, I would think that would push Notre Dame to be more likely to join a conference. Yeah, you would think that, yeah, you would think they would say, hey, okay, we need to get into the Big 12 or the – or the, or the ACC, or the, right. the ACC or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to weigh that versus your other sports. And so there is a lot going to change in the next two to three years. And, you know, when is this supposed to take place? If this gets approved, I know it's still at the committee to committee to committee. The new playoffs start take effect as early as 2023. Okay, so we still have two more seasons, two more years even. That's also going to give you time to get through name, image, likeness, everything you have to deal with with that. States making laws, will there be a federal law? All that nerd stuff I talked about earlier that I would love to talk about, and we'll talk about on my podcast one day. Um, that will be the stuff we that's the stuff that has to shake out. I would not be surprised if they approve a 12 team playoff and then say, okay, but we're not gonna start until 2024 to let these issues shake out and then say, okay, well, now we have a framework of something to figure out how we're going to do things moving forward. You know, that's because there's too much money to pass up. It is too much money. There's too many places. Uh, you have all these streaming services that want content. You've got all these TVs that want, you got, you know, Fox and NBC and ESPN. They're all battling for content. And then you've got sponsors. And then you've got, whether it's the local level, it's national level, international there's too much money to be made to not do the deal. So I do think we'll see an expanded playoff. Once they went to four, they were going more. I mean, anybody with half a brain figured that out. You know, I thought it would be four than eight, but four to 12 makes sense. I thought 16 was always too many. Yeah. But I don't, the one thing I don't like on there is I don't like the idea of the top four being automatic if they're conference champs. Yeah, I, I, if you got two, if you if you got a conference champion that was, you know, nine and three in the in the Pac-12, or even the SEC, let's say Alabama's nine and three, they don't deserve a top four seed. No, so I'm against that. But I'm a, I'm for the concept of the playoff expanding. It's similar to the NFL models. What it looks like of okay, here's your division champs. Doesn't matter if the NFC North had a 13-win team. Yeah. These are the four seeds, and they're getting a bye. Yeah, and, and that's so that they don't have to they don't have to make that hard decision. When when LSU beats Alabama one time, they don't play again in the conference championship game. LSU is undefeated and in the national in, in, in that top four. Bama's got one loss, and everyone argues, well, you didn't even win your conference or even your own division. So it happened in 20, 2019, so. Right. It's, you know, so it's trying to be like the NFL model too much. Yeah. 
So I get where the arguments are coming from, and you're never going to have a perfect system, but right. you're going to have to have something. There's too much money to be left on the sidelines, and, and we're in a world now where you have to get every bit you can get. Yeah. Uh, there is so much. I can literally talk for an hour or two about this because there's just so much to nerd out on and with it, and we won't know a conclusion to this for another couple of years. There's so many rabbit holes you can go down with name, image, likeness, the laws, you know, gambling's going to be a piece of it now with all these online pieces. There's so much going to happen here. Yep. So yep. I will not bore you with all that. <laughs> we got to go. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Check him out online on counteradvisorgroup.com, OHGcast.com. Bo, uh, before we go, though, uh, I got to tell you, I don't know, did you hear Tom Fullery last week? I did hear Tom Fullery last week. Are you down to go to the strip club with me and Tom? <laughs> I'll tell you what. In this, I am first of all, I am not a strip club guy. I've been a few times in my I'm life. I'm not either. I, I have been a few times in my life. I'm a happily married man. If I go in my age now, it's because someone's getting married and we're doing the, the bachelor party, which I haven't done in many years. I'd go with you and Tom. I'd go with you and Tom. Now, I don't want everybody calling Coach Bo and saying Coach Bo is going to the strip club. That's not happening. <laughs> so I would go with Tyler and Tom because you know Tom would be a good time in the strip club. I'd make sure he had a couple extra drinks before he got there. I'd bring some money. I Yeah, I think this would be fun just to sit back and watch the what could be an absolute blast of a shit show to watch. It would be incredible. Oh yes, I would be in for that. I can only imagine. Well, uh, I guess we'll have to make it happen. We'll report back. <laughs> no, no, no videos. No videos. No, no, no YouTube posts. No. We, we could do like a TikTok of Tom coming out. You know, <laughs> what, what's it like? Like before and after. That might be something for you know the, the Start the Jones Report TikTok on. There we go. I love it. He's Brian O'Connor, O'Connor Advisor Group. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. Big thanks to Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, for joining us here at the Jones Report this week. A couple more things before we wrap up. Uh, I want to talk uh, Big 12 football. And our friend Bill Haston of the Tulsa World, maybe we'll have him on sometime in the near future to kind of talk about this. He released the all-time Big 12 Top 12 as the conference has now wrapped up 25 seasons of football. And we head into year 26 this year. And it's been an interesting time for the league over that stretch. And we've seen all sorts of talent uh, over that time period. And uh, Bill made a list. Now, let me say, I love Bill Haston. Bill's a friend. He does great work with the Tulsa world. He is as talented as any writer in Oklahoma and as good as most writers in America. I've always admired Bill Haston. He does incredible work. Uh, but this list I, I have some problems with from Bill. And there's not like a criteria set here. Bill has not said if he's talking specifically about what they've done in college or their NFL talents or if somebody won a championship or not, none of that is mentioned in all this. So I have issues there with the fact that we just don't know what Bill's thinking was 
the criteria. But nonetheless, here is the list that uh, our friend Bill Haston put together at the Tulsa World, the top 12 Big 12 players. Now, several years ago, Tom and I, uh, we did an all-time Big 12 team. We did, uh, you know, position by position. And, you know, that made for some great content for several weeks. And so this kind of is similar to what we did years ago. But here's the list that was put together. Number one, Vince Young. Uh, number two, Ndamukong Sue. Number three, Adrian Peterson. Uh, number four, Ricky Williams. Number five, Grant Winstrom from Nebraska, defensive tackle. I don't know if anybody even remembers Grant Winstrom. Nonetheless, he's on it. Number six, Baker Mayfield. Number seven, Russell Okung, former offensive tackle at OSU. Von Miller at eight. Roy Williams at nine. That's the Oklahoma safety Roy Williams, not the Texas wide receiver Roy Williams. Ten, Patrick Mahomes. Eleven, uh, Darren Sproles. And twelve, Michael Crabtree. So that is uh, the top 12 for the Big 12 in uh, the last 25 seasons. And First thing that comes to mind, Tom, to me, besides uh, Grant Winstrom being way too high, I wouldn't probably have put Grant Winstrom in my top 12. Uh, besides that is uh, the receivers. There's only one receiver on this list, Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree is an all-time great, not just in the Big 12, but in college football. Crabtree deserves to be on there, yes. But where's Des Bryant? Where is... Uh, you know, a, a, a number of guys, Justin Blackman, Ryan Broyles, Jeremy Macklin. Um, I think part of the Big 12's identity in that 25 years was all the receiver talent. I don't think you can justify a list like this without putting more than two or three, without putting at least two or three receivers on that list. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously I'm like, well, you know, I would, I would say – put Dez on there or Blackman uh Grant Winstrom don't get me wrong uh big fan of his he played for the Rams for a long time uh then went on to play I believe for like the Seahawks and a few other teams but <clears throat> yeah he's a little a little high on there I you know they people do these pieces to get responses and they're getting one out of me and you as well and you know what when we did it we got good response because everyone's got their their people, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the K-State fans get their heart on for Michael Bishop. They're probably upset about this, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, they've got Darren Sproils on there, though. So, um, which is – that is – that rightfully so. Um, so, but, you know, it's – yeah, I, I think you got to put Blackman on there. I would take Des or Blackman over Crabtree. If I had to swap out the 12, it would be close. Um, but I mean, Grant Winstrom on there, he's not in my top 12, Yeah, maybe top 20. Um, where's, uh, here's, here's some other names just to think about. What about RG three? What about Sam Bradford? Um, Vince yeah. Young is absolutely right at number one. There is no, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody that disagrees with Vince Young being number one, but what about Sam Bradford or RG3? Those guys, you know, you know, I'm a Baker guy. I love Baker Mayfield. But those guys have a just as good, if not better, case than, uh, than Baker does to be on that list uh, among those quarterbacks. 
uh, that, that we mentioned. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I know Patrick didn't win a lot of games. That wasn't his fault. He had some horrible defenses. And, you know, he threw for almost 10,000 yards in two seasons and uh, 77 touchdown passes. Mahomes, I- I'm fine with, but uh, did we forget the existence of Bradford and RG3 and some of these guys too? Right, the ones that actually won Heisman's. Right. It's, it's like that should be – I mean that should that should be your first criteria. Okay, which which should be on the list? Which of these players won Heisman's in the Big Twelve? Those should be going on the list. I mean, <clears throat> I mean that's just that's how I would judge it. But like I said, everyone's got a different list. Everyone's biased to some extent. Um, you know, you mentioned Jeremy Macklin. There's you know. Von Miller, rightfully so. I think Von deserves to be on that list. There's some other, just there's some other players. Yeah, and the, there's some other players that are not on that list. But yeah, I mean, that's, Here, the, somebody, that's the greatest thing. Here's somebody that comes to mind. Okay, now defensive guys. We mentioned some of the the offensive players that uh, that were left off. What about defense? Um, Gerald McCoy, Akib Talib. Um, you know, those two right off the jump, I would consider, uh, to put on this list, uh, I, you know, Chris Harris, uh, I mean, what, what about, what about those guys? Where do they belong among the all time big 12 greats? I mean, see, that's, that's the thing about these lists and, and, uh, you know, there's no knock on bill or no knock on anybody that makes a list. It's, you know, specifically for entertainment purposes but i feel like when people make these lists and it's just the the way it goes it's the way the cookie crumbles defensive players obviously get left out more than they should have or you know easily forgotten because they're not the ones scoring points and making the headlines and doing that uh, obviously the dominican sue is on there von miller i mean you know the dominican sue was the og aaron donald um, you know, I mean, he was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald. Um, you know, so that one's obviously going to stick out. Von Miller's been wrecking the league on defense for a while, so he's going to stick out. But, you know, Akib Tlaib, uh, for me, he's got to be on there. You mentioned, you know, Chris Harris. I mean, there's some other just defensive juggernauts that that could be included on this list, too. That's I guess that's the thing about it, though. You can only have 12. In, in this case, I guess. Uh, I mean, you can have as many as you want, but. Um, Here's what I would have done if I were Bill. And like we, like we said, just to make this clear, this is nothing personal. We like Bill Haston around here. Um, what I would have done is if, if you were trying to center around the theme of the Big 12, the number 12, why not a list of 12 offensive and 12 defensive players? I mean, that's the way I would go about it. Right. I think that's probably the it, – It's it makes it more clear that way you don't, you know. Because, I mean, maybe – I wonder if he was a big Nebraska fan. Just the Grant Winstrom thing is is – that one throws me off. And it's not taking away of how great Grant Winstrom was, but it, that one's just kind of weird for me. And to be where he's at on that list. Right. Put him at put him at twelve. If you're gonna if you're gonna put him on the list, put him at twelve. 
I don't know. I would like to hear Bill's take on Grant. I think we're going to have to bring Bill on and defend his point and kind of go more in depth in this. I think that's the only solution here. That's got to be because I'm, I'm sure everybody's looking at it like Grant Winstrom. What? Like, okay, the other one's okay. Okay, you can make a point for all the other ones. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I am disrespecting the name of Grant Winstrom. Like I said, I was a fan. He played for my team. Um, but it's like, well, that one's just the one that I'm like, okay, let's, uh, that, that must've been like a guilty pleasure. That's Bill's guilty pleasure is Grant Winstrom. He goes to bed at night dreaming about Grant Winstrom's days at Nebraska. He's got to. That, that, that's, there's no other explanation. It has to, that has to be it. <laughs> oh, um, you know, maybe uh, if you would have gotten Airco, uh, Air Comfort Solutions to, to sponsor this, uh, then Jason White would have been number one. Oh, 100%. There had been several other <laughs> Air Comfort Solutions. You know, living in Tulsa now. Jason I White see... here for Air Comfort Solutions. I hear he doesn't even make that much doing that either. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Uh, like, who else is – Maybe it's not Air Comfort Solutions. There's another, you know, has been that um, I called Jason White a has been. Man, I'm terrible. Uh, <laughs> that does uh, like insurance, I feel like, or maybe oh, even life uh, Paul insurance. Paul Smith, yeah. former TU quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Could you imagine if Jason White showed up to your house to fix your air conditioner? How great that'd be. You know, I don't even know if I'd recognize him, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it was so long ago, and I'm sure he looks way different now. But if he handed me his card, I might be like, oh. Or it might be like a slap myself on the head after he leaves. <laughs> I don't think he's the one fixing the ACs, though. At this rate, you never know. I mean, uh, another friend of the show, uh, Marcus Dupree, I mean, wasn't he not too long ago driving a dump truck? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's uh, that, that's my we could, that, that's all we got in life is one day I want Jason White to uh, fix my air conditioner. Maybe maybe one segment I'll have to do some research for this, but maybe we can do a where are they at now segment with just the most ridiculous shit that former college football players are doing, like former big names are doing if they didn't make it pro, you know, what are they doing now? After they blew all their money. Right, the Tom Fulleriness, you know, Tom Fullery, where are they at now edition? Uh, and in Jason White's case, he didn't even get to make that NFL money. Right, did he even play a single game? No. I didn't think so, but he was drafted by the Chiefs. Uh, no, he was uh, he was undrafted. He was with the uh, Titans for an offseason. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah. Yeah, that's – which is crazy. I guess, did he have injury issues, and that's why he didn't go win undrafted? Yeah, he, uh, he broke both his ACLs in college. Mm, yeah. Yeah, crazy. That I mean, that is just – where are they at now, Jason White? hobbling around on his two torn ACLs, fixing your AC in the dead heat of summer. Man, I bet Jason White's getting a lot of phone calls right now. 
Yeah, it's hot. It's uh, yeah, it's it's been a scorcher, and I know it's hot in Omaha. And you know, it's I guess you just got back from Texas, so you know what that's all about so far. It just like we didn't get any early summer. I mean, it didn't even. I feel like it just skipped the mid eighties and went straight to hundred degrees. And so maybe Jason White's getting a lot of business right now, but he's probably making more money than I am. So I can't hate, but air comfort solutions. I don't even know what their tagline is. It's cooling season. Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to send you a pic of Jason White right now as we're talking. You tell me that way. If I'm out in Tulsa, I can identify him. He looks recognizable from what he was. No. <laughs> no. Nope. I wouldn't even. There's no way I'd be able to see. No, oh. I wouldn't even guess. And I just looked it up too while we're at it. You know who else is doing Airco commercials? Who is it? Brandon Whedon. No, he's not. Yes, he is. I got to look at this. Who would you no. trust more to fix your air conditioner, Jason White or Brendan Whedon? Oh, Whedon for sure. Let's <laughs> let's see if this will play through the phone here. This is last summer, June 8th. Hi, hi, Stillwater. Brandon Whedon here. The ACS team is now available to service the Stillwater area seven days a week. Summer is here, putting on the air conditioners to test. If you have any issues, give us a call. Make the winning call, ACS. <laughs> Let's see. Make the winning call. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> I think this is a great lead-in to Tom Fullery this week. I think this. I think Air Comfort Solutions and just the absurdity of it might be even better than this one but i got a good i got i got a good one this this, this time this we're going overseas we're going overseas for this one just right on the other side of the pond we're going to wales okay trip advisor reviewer criticizes welsh lake over lack of mcdonald's the bizarre mindsets of trip advisor reviewers can amuse and infuriate in equal measure beauty spots like snowden have been attacked for their height while plenty of welsh restaurants and cafes have hit have hit back by handing out lifetime bans to negative reviewers. Uh, okay, there's another link. You can see 25 times TripAdvisor reviewers showed us how awful Welsh landmarks really are. We'll kick, click that here in a second. Um, the most recent strange review was left on a Welsh lake, Lynn Gyrinid in Conway. I'm going to guess that's how you pronounce that. The mile-long lake covers an area of 45 acres on the northern edge of the Gwydr Forest and I probably butchered that too. There's so, these are ridiculous names. And below the slope of the Carnado Mountains, I, I've never heard of this. I've, maybe I'll never go to Wells. I'm already going to leave it a bad review. Uh, I was going to leave them five stars and not one at all, but the names are terrible now. Yeah. Most reviewers you don't want to say something you, you would regret. Right. Out of the 26 reviews, 20 people rated it as five stars. Only two people rated it as average or terrible. One review, Ron Revere, who gave the beauty spot one star, blamed the lake's beauty for distracting them and causing them to capsize their kayak, which was very distressing. They also complained that the lake's water was too cold, that they had no signal, and about the location's lack of McDonald's, KFC, and Burger King. Uh, here's, the, and here's the review. 
Reviewer from Newcastle upon Tyne identified as FWG123, complained the lake was too cold, has too many rocks, and its beauty was too distracting. They said on August 26, 2020, visited this lake in the middle of summer, but I was still cold. What's the deal? Had to go up and down a lot of hills to get there, and no signal. Also, there were too many rocks. Uh, I wanted a McDonald's, but there wasn't one anywhere. How am I supposed to eat out to help out if there isn't a McDonald's anywhere? I would also have been okay with an appropriate alternative like KFC or Burger King or even Subway. It did look nice, but that distracted me, and I capsized my CAC, which is very distressing. Thank you, Wells. Thank God I got out alive. Jones? Yeah. I think if you're going to go to a nature spot, I think you should be giving a shit less about a McDonald's. Like, why wouldn't you support a local chain restaurant? Right. That's that's what I would do. But lack of McDonald's. I, I'm trying to think. And, and here's the crazy part, too. I, I read this a while back. I heard there's more subways in the U.S. than McDonald's. And I'm like, hmm, I guess that does make sense. But it's still very weird. Well, remember, as they say in the movie The Founder, McDonald's is not a hamburger joint. It's a real estate business. I believe it. Uh, I mean, obviously, they don't have any real estate in Wells, or very much of it. I mean, you um, look at it, and subways, they're just like in gas stations or, uh, you know, behind, uh, you know, like a, like an outhouse or something like that. I mean, McDonald's is always in some prime real estate. That's very true. Always on the corner of highways and stuff. Subways are in strip malls and wherever i mean they're not gonna put a mcdonald's just anywhere that's very true maybe mcdonald's is classier i mean you know it's been so long since i had mcdonald's i did the 75 hard i bet it's been since first of february since i had mcdonald's and now i'm sounds delicious honestly some fries sound really good but obviously the guy from wales uh could not find any and i guess he's not having it there's some other reviews here um, Jones Paxton's Tower I would not recommend attempting this in bad weather or if you do not like cows um, let's see some other ones well you're going to like cows if you're desperate for McDonald's and Burger King I mean I guess that that's true There's here's another one from a castle in Wales the review says a very good castle but not the best castle um here you go, Jones. There's not doesn't look too far away from where this guy was bitching. Uh, in the mountains, top review. There is a fabulous burger van here. Doesn't say what it's called. Um, there's so the that's there's so many just random reviews here. Um, The Goer Peninsula is okay. You could not fault it at all. It's just a little repetitive. That's I'm gonna get lost down a freaking rabbit hole. Um, here's Dunraven Bay. Drove 40 miles to walk on the lovely beach. Shame the car park was full. Drove 40 miles back. <laughs> South Stack Lighthouse. One reviewer says, "This is it. There are a lot of steps." Really. 
right. Uh, yeah. These I don't. This is making me not ever want to go to Wales. Because <laughs> you can't um, do without the McDonald's and Subway and Burger King. No, not that. These people are just uh, just shitting all down of it. Um, literally at a wetland center, a bit boggy in places. Oh, you don't say. I I, I think about this and and transition and out of Tom Floor. We say leave a five star review or don't leave one at all. What, who is taking the time to get on? I've never once left a review on TripAdvisor ever. I don't. I, I've never even left one on Yelp or any other one. The only time I will like leave reviews on an actual place, like a, a place that I visited, would be like if I don't know. They just. I know. I no. Not even then. Not even if they just went out of their way. I'm just, like the only place I'm leaving reviews is because you have to. Is on Airbnb. That's it. Maybe I need to do more reviews, but if you're going to do a review, at least make it, I don't know, helpful to other people. Don't just put there a lot of steps on a damn lighthouse. Of course there is. It's just like, oh my gosh, I'm, this is almost maybe frustrated more than laughing. Like who leaves just a sentence review? Jones, do you leave reviews? leave reviews if somebody went out of their way and did good service and you know asked me like hey can you give me a review or something like that and then yes I'll go ahead and leave a review do something nice when I'm mad about something if something doesn't go my way if somebody mistreated me I'll do one of two things either I'll speak up right then and call out what I see or I'll just leave my thoughts to myself, you know, tell other people on the side. I don't blast them on the internet. So you're, you're not going to leave a, uh, uh, a review for, um, not going to leave any reviews for the security guard at, at Texas Motor Speedway? Right. I'm just telling you guys, just telling you guys. <laughs> Zero my out of five would not do again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost ended up in jail. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no. Would not recommend. Not recommend. These guys are wannabe cops. No, they they suck. No, no, no. I I just air out my grievances uh, uh, publicly or or too aloud. I I don't write them down and and, uh, go straight to the. I'm not. I'm not a narc, as they say. There you go. But you're not, if you're leaving a review, it's going to be helpful, not a one word, one sentence. There are a lot of steps. Right. Exactly. Man, to be that pissed off about not having McDonald's, Burger King, or Subway, I wonder what they did have, though. I'm. Very interested on well, let's we're gonna find out. Like, was Wendy's not good enough? I don't even know if they have a Wendy's. <laughs> you would think so. Let's see. Hold on. The other day, Tom, uh, I don't know if I told you about this. I was uh, I was at Arby's and I saw a gal. This was like the new lowest of lows. This gal in the parking lot of Arby's had a selfie stick and was taking a picture by herself 
taking a selfie at the Arby's. I'm like, you know, I'm not very old, but I've seen a lot of things in my time, and that might have been the lowest point. Yeah, that's that's fairly low. I'm looking up. Come on, TripAdvisor, where is it at? Like, you're, not uh, at, you're not at the Taco Bell in Times Square here. I mean, you're at an Arby's in the middle of Nebraska. I mean, come on. Right, right, right. <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see, restaurants. You know, my dad, he's from Bonita, Oklahoma, the, uh, the home of the world's largest McDonald's. Used to be. Yeah, and then they took that away. I think that might have been the only thing Vanita was known for was that McDonald's, right? And and it's I don't even know is is it it's not there anymore at all. It's still there, but it's not the largest. Uh, there's like right. some some McDonald's in Japan that's the largest now. Yeah, that's that's not surprising. Jones, check this out. This place where this guy was at has upscale designer british dining room signatures restaurant looks fabulous uh lava hot stone kitchen also looks really good but also really expensive but it looks delicious watson's bistro looks pretty fire uh the manor looks crazy delicious johnny's dough at the bridge this pizza looks so so but i would eat it um plenty of places here the Erkskeen Arms looks like they have some solid nachos. Um, other small plates. They're up upstairs at upstairs at Anna's. That looks like fine dining. That looks good though. A place called Alfredo's Restaurant in this place uh, also looks good. The Galleon would, Fish and Chips. Okay, that looks also Anna. delicious. I would eat at Anna's. I wouldn't trust it if it was named Heather or Tiffany. Right, those are pretty sus names. Jones, there is a place in this town called The Archway. It's fish and chips. It's not McDonald's, but Archway, that's about as close as you're going to get. Um, this guy, I don't believe. There's so many good restaurants, and he just wants McDonald's. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing any McDonald's here uh, in at this restaurant or at this location that this guy's at but it's like you can eat mcdonald's any other time but you know who am i who am i to judge some people just need their mcdonald's jones i mean people don't like to admit it but the fact is the big mac sauce is just thousand island dressing if you really miss mcdonald's that bad go get a hamburger and put some thousand island dressing on yeah i mean at this point, I mean, you would think so. You know, I still have not ever had a Big Mac from McDonald's. What? Wait, 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 what? No, no, I've made my own before. Um, Why have you never had a Big Mac? I just always get the the uh, McDouble in fries. You never thought once to just try a Big Mac? No, I have not. Should I just run out right now and go get one? Yeah. I'll think about it. I will consider. And then when you make your trip to Italy next year, uh, you'll be craving McDonald's and can't wait to get home from the U.S. because you can't find a McDonald's. Right? I mean, like, I, I'm sure there's a McDonald's over there. I wonder what they have, though. 
I know it's it's got to be different. Let's see. I've always wanted to go to Canada and try the McLobster. Oh, 100%. I would, that would be my first choice. Like, Let's see. the first thing I do whenever I go to Canada, I want to go to a McDonald's and try the McLobster. That's what going to Canada is all about. And then eating ketchup chips. Right. Okay. Here's here's what we got. And these look delicious, to be honest. Uh, this is Italy. So they have the crispy chicken McWrap, the crispy McWrap. That looks fire, honestly. The My Selection Barbecue, the My Selection Chicken Pepper, the crispy McBacon looks delicious. The My Selection Asiago and bacon. They do have a Big Mac and a double cheeseburger. They got everything else. McChicken, double chicken barbecue. Never heard of that. Uh, the McGrap Caesar Cheese con Pedro de Polo, Pollo a la Pestra, whatever. I don't know. I don't speak Italian. Um, they got some, everything looks, oh, they have bacon cheese fries in Italy, and they look fantastic. Um, Why isn't that stateside? Good. I don't know. They got these little calzone looking deals, too, that looks really good. Um, Damn, I guess I'm moving to Italy. They got the McCrunchy bread that has Nutella on it. What? Their McFlurries look way better. Um, your typical ice cream. Um, typical milkshakes. Brings all um, the yard. Right. Um, they got a bunch of coffee, obviously. They got croissants. Uh, that look delicious. Um, some looks like a Reese's cup. For they got everything. They got cheesecake. What? They got donuts over here. McDonald's donuts. Uh, macarons. Uh, dang, I gotta have. That's what I'm going over there for. McDonald's the Mc Macron. You could call it instead of a macaron. Uh, they have a lot on this yeah this is crazy um i have we went from wales not having mcdonald's to talking about me going to italy next year to try the mcdonald's donuts what a time what a time this show has got a million directions today and we end reading off the menu of mcdonald's in italy that's a <laughs> fitting end to wrap up today's show. This has been a wild circus. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. Big thanks to Mitchell Summers, Coach Bo, for stopping by as well. You can subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group. Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas Jones underscore report. You can find us there. And we'll be right back here next week for another award-winning edition of the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Mitchell Summers, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report.